great that's good I'm so good i was just driving through the wind and the rain and uh trying to get noah frantically to this board meeting full of lunatics yeah things have been cool. things have been getting a little crazy here in town the uh the, the local news has um reinvigorated their investigative reporting with a report on the hiring of that uh principal in our district who was uh, having a relationship with a student several years ago in a different district, and the shit has hit the fan again. Yes, the uh, proverbial shit has hit the literal fan. And uh, Noah gets to have a front seat uh, to the whole yeah. thing at the board meeting tonight. Very exciting. Yeah, and I haven't protected him at all from the details of this thing. It's just too good, you know. Yeah, Ben uh, came home today, food. same thing. He was like, oh, is this about the, the teacher that was sleeping with the student? <laughs> Like, uh, yeah, uh, yeah. It's like um, it's one of those things, you know. Mo most uh, most people I've spoken to about this, at first they are horrified. They say, "Oh my God, a, a teacher has done this at some point to a child, and they should be in prison and locked up, throw away the key." And then they get the details, and they say, "Wait, well, how old was the was the girl?" And they say, "No, no, it was a boy, and they were seventeen. <laughs> and then we all go, oh, <laughs> and secretly everyone, you know, we're like high-fiving a little bit, but really it, no. it is horrifying. It's a terrible it double is, standard. I know it's an awful double standard, but um, yeah, so it's a big scandal and it actually goes much deeper from what I understand. Uh, certain board members um, hmm. are uh, into all sorts of interesting things. That are coming out. About, Wait a minute. Uh, Hold on. What do you mean board you know, members are into certain things that are coming out? I, I, I did I'm not hear this. <laughs> I'm reluctant to say anything on, on the air. Oh, no but, one listens uh, to this. You can tell me. So, you know, there was that, you know, that crazy reporter guy that just like shows up and is like, he's not a parent in the district. He drives an Uber, but yes. he does like a, he, you know, fashions himself as this, uh, you know, investigative reporter. But really, he's just like digging up muck and. And creating, you know, problems. He's a chaos agent. Yes, a, a, a chaos agent. <laughs> and he had uncovered that there was some connection between one of the board members who was responsible for hiring her. Oh, right. And, uh, you know, it was like, uh, and then there's some other stuff that I, uh, that um, is uh, not so good that may be coming out. Really? Uh, yeah, yeah. But it, it's all wild speculation, but. I dare not say any more about it, um, but right, maybe you can tell me <laughs> offline. Uh, yes, I, I think I'm going to have to. Yeah. Are you listening to um, to us speak over monitors? Because I'm getting a little blowback in my. Uh, yeah, thing. I don't know how to turn off Noah's speakers or get the um, audio to go through my headphones instead of the speakers. Is there a switch on the headphones? Maybe. Uh, I don't know. Okay. I don't see a switch. Yeah. All right. Maybe it's in the audio out. How bad is it? Just a little bleed? It's a, it's a little echo. It's, it's a not, bloody. Wait. It's not as bad that. as the Zoom call I had earlier today. 
Yeah, I just turned the overall volume down. We're sort of throwing this together. I apologize, guys, that I couldn't make this, uh, the interview with Scuba Danny today. I really wanted to. And um, I sort of had a last-minute problem in Queens that I had to, well, not a problem, but I had to be there at 9 o'clock, and um, I could not get out of it. But I did listen to the interview, 30 minutes of it. And, uh, so, yeah, so I, so I, yeah, I checked it in fun. Dropbox, and it's an, it's an hour and a half, uh, which is maybe more time than you kind folks want to listen to me talk to Scuba Dan for. But um, I don't know. Give it a listen. Anyway. Um, so if you struggle with alcohol addiction, Nat, you've likely tried to make yeah. January 1st your sobriety date at least a half a dozen times. Mm-hmm. Uh, if it stuck, great. And if it didn't, though, you are not alone. The reason no. most people struggle with keeping their New Year's resolutions is because they lack accountability. After all, who would really know if you cheated? Do you know who would know? If you were using Soberlink to maintain sobriety, your support network would know. They would know. <laughs> so, Soberlink is the only high-tech breathalyzer system that will truly hold you accountable when cravings get a little too loud. Here's why it has our stamp of approval, Nat. Uh, You'll test at the same time every day, eliminating testing anxiety. Testing anxiety. Devices have (laughs) built-in facial recognition, so it knows it's you testing. Tamper sensors flag any attempt at trying to beat the system. Friends and family receive instant test results, helping rebuild trust and prevent relapse. Isn't that something? That is something. I always had testing anxiety, but it was mostly because I was trying to cheat the test. <laughs> yeah. I think that's probably why most people would have testing anxiety using yeah, a Soberlink I, device I mean, as well. <laughs> anyway, invest in yourself this year. Visit www.soberlink.com slash middle hyphen ages to sign up and receive $50 off your device. And Mike, will middle hyphen your ages. <sighs> you know, Sideways. You know, we got new ad copy for the new year. Maybe you could come up with a new joke. Oh, yeah. You think? Well, they, they need, yeah, I, I got to think of one. I'm, I'm sort of spitballing here. But, yeah, Soberlink, um, another great uh, year with Soberlink. And uh, we understand that uh, they've been getting some good feedback. So thank you guys for supporting Soberlink. And, and it's a great product. It's, it would, it's helpful and uh, thorough. Yeah, and we told them we were raising the price of their ad buy, and uh, they yeah. asked how much, and then we never told them. So $10,000. So here we are reading their ads without a contract in place. <laughs> we're, we're just doing it for the love of the game, man. It's all for the love of the game. Certainly is not for the, the money. That's no, for sure. No, we do it because we believe in Soberlink. But Soberlink. Thank God, I don't need it right now. Right. Soberlink I'm did not- say that some people have purchased devices yeah. from our podcast. They have gone to the Soberlink website. They have actually plunked down the money and bought one of these things. So, Well, I would love to hear from the monsters who have done this. I mean, we've heard a lot from uh, the great Grant B., G. Money Smooth, the editor at large of the RMA Newsroom, who famously had great success with the Soberlink device. And uh, But I'd love to hear more stories uh, from anyone who has gotten something out of it, I know Soberlink would appreciate it. That would be fun. Yes. And we're back. Welcome to Recovery in the Middle Ages, the podcast about two middle-aged suburban dads in their pursuit of life, love, and recovery. I'm Nat X. And I'm Mike R. And boy, do we have a show for you today on RMA. We are joined by the great 
and powerful Scuba Danny, who is trying for a sober, what month is this? January, I believe. Sober January, but it doesn't rhyme, so I, I have a feeling it won't dry. be Dry, it's dry January. Oh, dry January? Yes. That's like what, like a slant rhyme? or? I, January, I don't think you can say to... that anymore. No, you can't. I don't know well, what that even case. means. <laughs> What is slant? The what fuck is, is slant, slant January? Somebody tell us what a slant rhyme means. Uh, and all this and more today on a very, very special edition of RMA. And welcome back to the show, everyone. Um, welcome back, Mike. <laughs> Thanks. And welcome to uh, the greatest storm of the century going on outside here. It's raining, that. Um, it's just it raining. raining. It's pouring. The old man is snoring. And... Uh, they sent, Hopefully we won't lose our power. They sent everybody home from my job early today. I was not there. I was I was here working from home, but they sent everybody you home. Say you went downstairs to upstairs. <laughs> right. And then they sent uh, they said you can work from home tomorrow because I don't know, it's raining. Is it is, I guess. Am I underestimating the power, the destructive power of this storm, do you think? Well, I think once uh, hopefully that they're expecting power to go out. I'm getting text messages from, uh, you know, the power company, you know, getting all these warnings, but you know, usually it's overblown. I think you would think I would get messages from the power company considering yeah. I work kind of for them, but nope, <laughs> nothing, nothing. Yeah. Nothing. Yeah. They're, uh, they're warning us and, um, you know, con ed alert. Why am I getting a con Edison alert? You have an office oh, probably in, in, oh, yeah, yeah, in the Bronx, in the Bronx. Um, so how how was your holidays? How were your holidays? The holidays were exciting. Um, they were busy. They were stressful. Um, all those things rolled into one. I think like a lot of monsters out there, you were probably uh, either entertaining family, friends, um, you know, and it's a different kind of stress um, if you're alone for the holidays. And so, you know. Were you for alone us, for the holidays? Was, I was not, but I certainly was thinking, man, wouldn't that be something if, uh, you know, if I could have some peace? But it, it was actually great. We had 20 people in our little house. Uh, I got to see my brother and his kids and aunts, uncles on both sides. Uh, it was very nice. Um, and, uh, you know, we always do Christmas at our house, you know, so it's, uh, it's sort of a big deal for us to do it. And uh, we survived, but... Um, you know, nothing too out of the ordinary. What about you? Um, well, I, I I don't have a suit of clothes nearly as cool as the one that you've been sporting in uh, some of the pictures I've been <laughs> yeah. seeing lately. But I uh, got to wear my Christmas suit, which uh, looks like bad wrapping paper just everywhere. <laughs> it's a good suit. Um, we we had a nice yeah. uh, nice time. It was um a little smaller. Than usual. I mean, some folks on uh, Aaron's side of the family have some health issues. Uh, her dad was able to make it, which is great. Um, oh wow! And um, but a couple of her aunts were were down for the count. Um, so it was small, but it was good. Uh, we went out to her mom's for Christmas Day. A little bit of uh, drama there, but nothing uh, nothing off the wall. Um, nothing too entertaining. No, Jack kind of sprained yeah. his ankle running around in the dark in the outside. Oof. Yeah, that kind of sucked. So, because we wanted to go, we wanted to go hiking upstate, but uh, that kind of put the kibosh on that. Yeah, um, crutches don't work great on a hike. Yeah, I had to take him to PM Pediatrics the day after Christmas. It was a real treat. Um, <laughs> Dimitri's gotten been sick, but uh, I don't know. You know, 
the holidays were fine. Some some years I get really hyped up about them, and some years I just could care less. And mm-hmm. this was kind of right down the middle of that. Right. I mean, I had a couple of weeks off from work because uh, I had vacation time I had to burn or else I would lose it. And, oh, my God, uh, that would be so amazing. <laughs> I can't except, even imagine a world where they're like, you know what? You've got two weeks that we don't want you to do anything. And, you know. Well, Please. I mean, it would be great if I could actually have not done anything, well, but uh, yeah. the, the, the work yeah. is, is still there and yeah. ca- calls still need to be made and decisions yeah. need to be made and work needs yeah. to be done. So, um, I, for the it's first week, a, I didn't feel like I was, two weeks. yeah, I didn't feel like I was really off at all. The last week. Yes. You know, uh, new year's Eve, I was in bed by 10 o'clock, 1030 oh, maybe. Wow. Um, Yeah. It was, uh, Jack had some friends over because Jack is 16 and I decided that extending an invitation for him and his three buddies to stay at our house was far preferable to me wondering if he was wandering around the street somewhere with friends in another town where I couldn't keep an eye on them. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's going to be a, uh, an ongoing invitation to be extended because the only way I can go to sleep on New Year's Eve if my son's not in the house is uh, I can't, right? So Yeah, yeah that would be nerve-wracking. <laughs> yeah, but um, I mean, I, they behaved themselves. They hung out downstairs and played magic, actually, for four, really? four hours. Yeah. Jack well, is... Yeah, a, uh, ben was over the house uh, hanging out with Noah the other day, and I was... Pleased to see that he had some magic cards with him. I said, "What? What's that? You play magic?" And there were these Japanese magic cards. Not sure why he had them, but Ben had them. Very cool. Yeah, Ben had like a a, a Japanese magic card. <laughs> so I don't know where he uh, he hasn't found that been uh, playing much, but Jack has taught like all his friends, and now they oh cool play. yeah. Um, but yeah, I got a magic set for Christmas, actually. Did you really? That I've been threatening to use. Well, they came out with a Doctor Who set. Oh. Um, now, I haven't played magic the way I want to in a very long time, but <laughs> I'm, I'm still, like, fixing to someday. I'm like, I'm going to get back to it. I have a very valuable collection from college that is just sitting in my closet waiting to be turned in for rent money. You're, you're fixing to play some magic, huh? <laughs> fixing to play some magic. And, um, yeah, no, that's a fun game. I always talk about it. It's like poker plus chess plus Dungeons & Dragons all in one. It's a nerd's dream. I tried a couple times. Yeah. I had a oh, hard, I could, hard time following I it. it. Yeah. I mean, I would yeah, love to. I mean, it, it's people always ask, well, what can I do with dry in dry January if I'm not drinking? And one of the things you can do is play magic with your friends. Magic the Gathering. Yes. Yeah. You know. um, hey, I just remembered something because I don't have anything written down, um, but we did get a very special gift uh, at Christmas. Uh, so we went to Christmas Eve at my wife's cousin's, and he's the, uh, we've talked about it, Leon, you know, we do it every year. It's the uh, the Seven Fishes uh, dinner. Right. Uh Right. And um, so Max got pink eye. I had forgotten about <laughs> Merry that. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. <laughs> and like, I felt really bad because I think he gave it to a kid or two, but he hadn't <laughs> been complaining about it. Uh, and I think toward, and I, I don't see red that well. I'm red, green, colorblind. So I never noticed it. And then we were about halfway through the, uh, through the night. And someone said, why is Max's eyes so red? And I go, oh, are they? And I was looking at him. He's blinking a lot. So 1230 Christmas Eve, we were at a, um, we were at a CVS getting, you know, just 
eye drops, you know, just to, uh, to, you know, they're just a regular over the counter. And miraculously, our local pediatrician, Dr. Greg, he does an hour on Christmas where we went to go see him. Isn't that amazing? Does he dress up like Santa? He, he doesn't. <laughs> he should. But he's there. Yes. And, uh, That's and the biggest was, gift I, of all. I mean, he's amazing. And then he got the drops, but, um, you know, throughout the next couple of days, you know, Noah started to get it. So he took some of the drops and then my eyes started to go a little when I did the drops. Wow. So that was our big, exciting gift for Christmas. Um, did you get anything uh, for Christmas that you want to brag about? I got a, uh, the, the brand is Clip, Clipsish. It's a speaker. It's a, um, a, oh, yeah. it's a Bluetooth speaker, but it's also a wired speaker with a phono preamp in it. So I've oh. hooked it up to my record player and I have been playing records. Uh, and that is making me very happy lately. Okay. Yeah. You? Records. Records are back. Besides your magic deck, you got anything? Uh... <sighs> yeah, I did. But I can't remember what they are. I'm drawing a complete blank. I got some nice. Oh, I got these really nice shoes. That's nice. what I'm excited about. Cool. I got I got a couple pairs of boots, and um, I am drawing a total blank on the rest of what I. <laughs> Usually, I just like to watch the kids open up stuff. I didn't have right. any. I mean, I don't. Yeah, I think the car I got that's my gift for all time. I still have this ridiculous car that makes me happy. Now I I've come to accept that the car is mine, and uh, I'm enjoying it. I'm trying, I'm trying to lean into my brand here. Acceptance is important when you're you know, trying to get well. It's uh, <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So other than that, though, no, another Christmas gone by in 2024. We were talking about doing a show about New Year's resolutions and, and, uh, and you know, what kind of intentions we want to set for the new year. And I had a great long list, and I've already forgotten them all. I think I wanted to. <laughs> I want to read more. Well, it's January uh, 9th, so... Yeah. So I can still do it. I want to read more. I started reading The Hobbit to Max and I'm just getting into it. Finally, he agreed to let me read him The Hobbit. Oh, cool. And, I've tried that uh, with kids and they, they tuned out after hard. the beginning. Yeah. I have to work for it, man. Like I do the voices. I over explain, like I'll read a paragraph <laughs> and I'll see the confusion in his eyes mm -hmm. and then I'll go back and I'll kind of give him the story again. I'll say, well, no, no, Bilbo, you know, his, his mother was from name was Took, and the Tooks were adventurous, but the Bagginses were not, you know, so I explained it to him, and he got into it. Yeah, it's cool, man. You should come over and read read, read to me before bed. Yes, I will perform the all of Tolkien's Please works, you know. That. I want you to do the Cimmerillion next. <laughs> the Cimmerillion? Yes. What is that? Why that's, don't I know that's that? The, uh, it's the book he wrote that's basically the whole history of Middle-earth and the Elvish times. Oh. I heard about that. Yes. That sounds crazy. He wrote an entire history that takes place before the books that yeah. like leads up to the story. Brilliant. It, it's very oh. difficult to get through, even as a token fan. Um, well, it, you know, the, the language, even in The Hobbit, which is supposedly written for kids, is dense. It reminds me of Herman Melville's, like in Moby Dick, he writes these long sentences right. with lots of commas, you know. So it, it gets sort of tiresome. I think he was getting like, think, what is this going to add? Wasn't Melville getting paid by the word or something? <laughs> it, it I don't know if Token way. was. I mean, because kids were just smarter back then. I don't know. I think they may have been. They, well, they didn't have TV to deliver them the goods right. more quickly. No, but the radio was ruining their minds. That's true. Hey, um, before we forget, we got a review. Yes. And um, we should read that. It came in just before Christmas, and I know who wrote it. 
I think. Oh, okay. I think it was. No, it's not calling out Charlie, but anyway. But what's funny is the uh, I don't know who assigns who titles these things or who assigns the name because the name on it is hip bum H I P B U M. I think it's their like username or something, or maybe I've done reviews, but I don't remember how it pulls the name. I think it's their like Apple user. Oh, maybe that's it. Right. Yeah. And the title is medieval. uh, But I read it as medieval, like medical evaluations. (laughs) So I don't know. It's something, like one of my customers. Something wrong with my brain, I guess. Yeah, anyway, uh, he says the the guys thread the needle between taking their recovery seriously but not being too serious about it at all. A very accomplished person in all areas of his life. I still can't believe that Mike ever smoked crack! Exclamation point. Uh, <laughs> Me neither. Nat could make a living professionally with his golden voice and his ability to improvise and. And then I sent you the screen capture, and I lost the rest of it. Shit. Uh, uh, Nat can make a living professionally. This is my favorite review of all times. With his golden voice <laughs> and ability to improvise and do more. Yeah, I didn't click it either. But great review. I love Yes, thank you. You know, flattery will get you everywhere. So um, thank you, thank you, thank you. Write us a review. Send it in. We'll read it. We promise. We shall. So I don't know about you, but I... I can't doing this thing at night is just my brain is totally fried and doing it over uh, Zencaster is terrible. It's terrible. I used to really be into it, but I realized that our timing is off and it's very stilted. I feel um, agreed and I dis dislike. So going forward, that's why, you know, know, we're going to do just the, the opener and the closer. And it's just, you know, it was such a great interview with Scooby Danny. And I think, you know, we've been talking about him quite a bit, and he's been listening to the show. And uh, I actually ran into him at um, some event at the school, and uh, I think we had done the show that day. And, and he made some comment about, "Oh, you, you know, you got a lot of people waiting for you to put that show out." I'm like, "Yeah, I know. <laughs> oh We're working on it." Um, so, so, so anyway, the, the the genesis for having him on was the fact that you know I've noticed that every. Um, season where there's a dry something like a dry sober October or a dry January. We always seem to go through the same list of reasons why you should have a dry January, like, uh, you know, health benefits, mental health, better sleep, weight management, financial stuff, improved relationships, et cetera, et cetera. And I really didn't want to do that again because yeah. I feel like we've beaten that horse to death. And that horse is glue. What? That horse is glued. Don't they, didn't they used to turn uh, horses into glue or was that just an old wives tale? I don't know. Horses hooves, they make into gelatin. Gelatin, right. The horse is jelly. So we've beaten that horse to jelly, I guess. Um, But I thought it might be interesting to have somebody who's not in recovery and who really doesn't want to stop drinking, um, who nonetheless is doing, has done sober Octobers and dry Januaries and is an intelligent guy and has a lot to say about his thought process in and around alcohol. And, um, so I figured that would be an interesting way to kick off, uh, the new year. So I sat down with him and we, we started talking because we've known each other for 10 years. We just sort of kept, kept on going and, um, yeah. yeah, and I think that the more the more I learn about this recovery thing and, and the more I listen to and read, um, you know, the more I'm realizing, you know, like as we talk that maybe total abstinence, which is what we prefer for you and I, mm-hmm. but 
maybe we're missing the boat on helping more people who could really benefit from moderating their drinking a bit, or at least beginning to attempt to, because how would they know if they like it unless they've got some impetus, you know, some, some goal like, Oh, it's sober October, Joe Rogan. And, you know, as Danny says, you know, um, and so it's interesting to see how someone who's not like fully immersed, uh, or as he said, he's not court mandated. Yeah, you know, I thought right. that was interesting. He did. He does say that, you know, that he, he's like, look, I'm not court mandated. Uh, he never had a, the discussion with his wife where, you know, like, you know, for me, it was, I was, um, you know, it was part of trying to save my marriage to stop, you know, drinking and using. So mm-hmm. it doesn't sound like he's got that hanging over his head. He doesn't have like, like my other friend who's his job is like, Hey, you know, you're gonna lose your pension if you don't make this happen. So it's a very different kind of thing to try and go get sober when it's like something you're looking to do. It's very different, I think. And, and there's a lot of people out there who are beginning to realize that maybe this is the best thing uh, for their health. Yeah. And if, but you know, but he also pointed out that we do a lot of things that aren't necessarily the greatest for our health, you know, and, so maybe that's that's not going to be a motivating factor in and of itself. And and frankly, you know, he's like 15 years younger than me, so probably you know five years younger than than you. And um, you know, successful business owner, and you yeah. know everything's you know do, he's going along fine. And so why would you stop? You know, at that point, the scales are still balanced to the point where you're getting more out of it than it's taking away from you, right? Ah, uh-huh, but is that really true? I mean. A lot of times when I was back at that point, you know, I thought, hey, not only who am I hurting, but, you know, I actually, I enjoy it. You know, I like to unwind. And, uh, but once you get <laughs> Nothing sober, like unwinding with like, a little crack and heroin <laughs> yeah, at the know, end of the day. Mostly the scotch, you know, but <laughs> really until you get that separation from that kind of thing, the daily drinking or, um, you don't realize how much better your life can get. I mean, for me, it was like exponential. And I think a lot of people who get sober, sober, you know, look back and go, man, thank God I did that. Like nobody regrets getting sober. Yeah. And, and that's the thing though. It's like, it's hard to, like you and I now have experienced some, some real time away from mm-hmm. booze and, and substances. And so we've seen it play out in our lives and how much better it's gotten, you know, to try and yeah. like convince somebody who's just doing a, a 30 day challenge how much better it can be if you extend that on and in, in, into infinity or whatever. Um, it, it's hard for them to get their heads around that because they just, there's no way for you to see it unless you do it. You know, yeah. I mean, you, you can be an example. You can be like a concrete example of what a, what a healthy sober life looks like, but it's still not internal to the, the person. Yeah. And, and one thing that stuck out to me listening to the interview, something that you've said before, which is, you know, it's so much easier to just stop drinking than it is to like calculate moderating and being like, okay, I can have two dr-. and it's almost torture. I feel like if you're enjoying like maybe a six drink kind of Friday and Saturday typically, and now you're saying to yourself, okay, I'm only going to have two. And then you're constantly trying to watch what you're drinking and you're always thinking about it. You know, I think it's, for me, it was so much more freeing to just, completely cut it out of the equation. You know, it's like, for me, it's like one less thing to have to manage, you know? So I think that's a good argument for just abstinence. It's that, you know, who wants to run around like 
calculating, you know, you've had three drinks and it's Friday and that means you've got two and a half more days where you can have one. And, um, you know, it, it's so much easier in the long run to just say, hey, I don't drink and, and find other ways to uh, relax and enjoy yourself. Yes. And I, but I think that that's for a lot of people, it's the finding other ways to relax and enjoy yourself piece. That's right. hard to sort of plug into a, a 28 or a 30 day challenge, right? Because right. you're not going to rebuild your whole social life in 30 days. And and 30 days in, you're, you're probably saying to yourself, man, this fucking sucks. I'm just like, I'm a hermit inside my house. I don't, I, you know, and, and I think Danny mentioned it today. Like he, it's like, why I don't, I just, gonna, I'm going to hide for 30 days because, you know, right. I, what am I going to do? Go to the party and not drink, you know? And so I, I think these 30 day challenges are too short I, which is why I, I suggested to him 60 and he says he's going yeah. to give it a try. Uh, and then, you know, you look at, there's another outfit out there called one year, no beer. And I'm like, well, now that's pretty smart because a year is definitely enough time to sort of yeah. rewire and see, you know, see if this is something you want to go for, for, you know, for, for good. Um, but I think if you are willing to take a year off from alcohol, then probably you are a, advanced enough in self-knowledge to know that you need to do that maybe. Yeah. Yeah. I I think, you know, probably if I were to go back in time and and give myself advice uh, or if I were to design, you know, some kind of sobriety program for people voluntarily looking for it, I think you have to build in like from the get go alternative social events, which is why AA works for a lot of people, right? even if it's not only because this is a new sober group of people, even though it's, it's an AA meeting, it is a social, social, it is a social gathering and it does give you something else that you can do, you know, instead of like, I had a guy in my rehab, um, who, uh, this was the outpatient. I would see him three times a week and he was having a hell of a time. Now he was court mandated. But he was struggling, and you might laugh at this, but this is what this guy was struggling with. He was in a dart league at a bar, (laughs) and this guy loved to play competitive darts at this bar. And it was his entire, not his entire social life, but this was like a main focus. It's something he loved to do. And, like, how do you tell a guy like that, you know, know, maybe don't play darts anymore or, you know— maybe you should find something else. It's like, what do you say to someone like that? Who, who loves these bar events? You know, is he just lying to himself about the dart playing because it's at a bar or, you know, so that's difficult if, if you've got these um, activities that are centered around drinking or you go out to, to watch football games with your buddies and they're all getting wasted. You're at a sports bar and you're the only schmuck sitting there sipping a Shirley temple, you know, uh, yeah, it could be very difficult. I think a lot of people probably get hung up on that, you know, rightly so. Yeah. I, I think people shouldn't worry about that so much. Like just quit drinking and then see what happens because yeah. maybe you'll decide, Put the plug in the jug. <laughs> maybe you'll decide somewhere down the road that the, you know, the thing that you enjoyed about playing darts in the pub is not playing darts in the pub. It's drinking with your friends, you know, or maybe you decide that you really, now that you're the only one who's not drunk playing darts and you're winning every game, maybe, maybe that's, you know, maybe you, it'll, it'll reinvigorate your love for dart playing. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Get into it. But you know, then you want axe throwing. And I mentioned this in the interview, the, the group called the Phoenix that goes yeah, out there and yeah, sets up these meetups and stuff. It's like you go out and you do 
things that don't involve drinking with other people who are not drinking, but you don't make the not drinking the central focus of the activity. You're just going for a hike with people that don't drink or you're, you know, you're going to the gym or you're playing pickleball or whatever, you know. Right. It's just, it's hard because you shouldn't judge the things that you think are going to be boring or not fun based on the same brain that you have while you're still drinking because the two things are so different. Anyway, we're already at like two hours if you count the interview in. So I'm going to, let's, let's get going on the interview and uh, then we'll see you on the backside to uh, wrap things up. All right. We'll see you in your backside. (laughs) We'll be right back after a lot of words. Words. Honestly, the whole thing is very weird and artificial. <laughs> um, just the, no- the notion that we're doing this is weird, weird to me. But, um, you know, anything for content. I was, I, uh, I was telling somebody. So you're already too far I'm, away. I'm, I was telling somebody before. I'm like, I am a, a, a expert now, nine days in. You know. <laughs> you know what, though? I'll be honest with you. We've, we've done these things every time the holidays roll around. And some of it is like social media driven, right? If you have an episode out on dry January in January, more people will find it and listen to it. You know, same thing with sober October and then, you know, other months, whatever. But, you know, at some point it gets to be so boring, just like here's 10 reasons why you should consider doing dry January or something, something along those lines. Right. Like, uh, it feels like I'm listening to the podcast right now, (laughs) (laughs) you know, improved health, mental health benefits, better sleep, weight management, financial, blah, blah, blah. blah. You know, how many times can you say the same thing? And plus the, then the older audience members get like, well, the guys that are, that have been sober for like years now, like, all right, why are we talking about this? Yeah. Right. Or they'll, they'll download it for um uh to be nice and maybe not listen to it and you know and we get bored doing it to be honest so i thought like this would be a really interesting approach to get somebody who's doing a dry january um to come on and talk about motivation reason eh, a little bit about your history something like that you know anything you feel comfortable talking about um and you're sure that, like, you're not going to have all these people, like, going right back to drinking just because I'm talking about it? You know, there is a certain revolving door in this business, <laughs> right? I mean, people come in, people go out. And, and that's part of the, you know, that's part of the puzzle. It's part of the, the Zen koan of recovery is that, you know, how do you stay stuck? How do you, how do you stick with the program? How do you, you know, make alcohol a, such a small and insignificant part of your life that you can drown it in the bathtub, you know? I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I mean, that's the issue. So anything that we say here is not going to drive people out into the, into the arms of the neighborhood. I'm going to make a very tavern. compelling argument. You got to get close to the mic. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm going to make a very compelling argument for continuing drinking. Oh, that's fine. <laughs> that's fine. And, and, um, I, that'll be interesting. <laughs> <laughs> and all, all the reviews, like this is the worst sobriety podcast I've ever listened to. <laughs> well, you know, I don't know if you've been listening to us recently, probably not because like you have listened to the show before, but you're like, I can't listen to you while, while I'm drinking because it, you know, it feels wrong because <laughs> I'm sitting there with a beer going, Oh yeah, no, that sounds like a great idea. I should be sober. Well, uh, I suppose we should provide a little context since we're just you know, going Did into we start? this. Yeah, oh yeah, <laughs> no, we started right. three minutes ago. <laughs> right. um, you know, you are you and I are friends. We go back a long way, mm-hmm. right? And in fact, the first time we met was in a bar. 
Yep. It was in uh, the Canterbury's bar just down the road from here, mm-hmm. which is now something else. It's trading on the name of Teddy Roosevelt now. But, uh, and, uh, you know, you were there with your wife and I was there with my wife. And because we had just moved into town, we didn't really know anybody. And we're like, look at these fun people hanging out. Having a couple of drinks, you know. We are a lot of fun. Did you, you are, (laughs) did you, did you have kids then? I don't even know. 10 years ago? No. Okay. So it was right before my wife got pregnant. Okay. But we, we had kids and we were were desperately needing a night out, you know, and, and of course, like, at least back then the night out was always like, let's go sit in Canterbury's and and drink like a gallon of wine. And what else do you do? Uh, that's exactly it's a good point uh but it turned out that you know you and i started talking and i was like well you know i really want to get back into scuba diving because that was something i had been doing like when i lived in staten island before my wife passed away and then when all you know years go by and blah 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 i want to get back into it and as coincidence would have it you were a dive instructor yep it was just serendipitous. It was, we it was serendipity, yes. So, um, so that's how we met. And then we, you know, I, I took classes with you and, and all that kind of stuff. And then we sort of, I guess we developed a relationship beyond the, yeah, beyond the dive shop. And, um, you know, and now you're, you're just an old man that takes pictures of birds with me. Uh, I go with you to take pictures of birds <laughs> and I try to talk you out of taking a million seagull pictures every mm, single time that we go. I don't out. know. You get, you got that camera up shooting those birds too, my friend. Uh, you know, I'm in denial. So I'm not a birder. I just want to be very clear. I can, I, I have no problem being here as an alcoholic, <laughs> but as a birder, I, I just don't want that connotation with my name or okay. my, you know, the reputation. Uh, so we'll call you Dan for sure. Or Scuba Dan, which is how we may have mentioned you in the past on the podcast. So Either um, way is fine. Okay. Um, And then I, just to bring up one other drinking story, uh, (laughs) I don't know if you recall, we went, of course you recall, we went up to to do some dry suit diving with a set of double uh, steel tanks so I could sort of get my muscle memory going Mm -hmm. up to some cove uh, north of Boston in the the Peabody area. Yeah, Folly Cove in uh, Gloucester. Folly Cove. Wasn't? Didn't the shark come in there like a year or two after and eat but, someone? No. Yeah. I'd look it up. Really? I, yeah. Right around there. Anyway. Uh, eh, so after fine. the day of driving, we, we decamped to um, some Italian chain restaurant. Which one was it? Caraba. Yes, Caraba. It was Caraba and uh, <laughs> got absolutely fucking shit face, crooked, drunk. Uh, and then the next morning we did more diving, which, you know, not it wasn't the best diving. Well, but, I'm a professional, so, yeah. you know, I, that, that wasn't an issue for me. Okay. Uh, you know, and that's part of the class. Like, you need to be able to just handle your alcohol and the hangover, you know, while you're diving the next day. So, that, interesting. Is, so, is that, is that like in the I patty like manuals? Ther- yeah, or? I feel like I'm in therapy right now. This is, I'm going <laughs> to give you all the... Uh, um, I handle it, but I didn't feel great about it, you know. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it was a long drive back, but uh, it was fun. I'm always interested why people decide that they want to do these things. Like, why do you want to do a dry January or a, um, or a sober October? So, because, you know, the conventional wisdom in the recovery community is if, you're look, if you need to take a, a month off from drinking, maybe that's something to take a look at. Yeah. Uh, so the first time I did it, I've done like sober October. I've done uh, dry April. I had this dry April. I've done a dry April, yeah. <laughs> I had this great plan that I, every other month I was going to go sober. So then I could say to myself, like, hey, six months out of the year, I'm completely sober. You know? And right. It, it's not consecutive. You know I mean? Like, I'm right. not crazy or anything like that. Right, right. So, um, 
the first time I did Sober October or heard about it uh, was on like Joe Rogan's podcast, driving into the shop. And I just had it on and they started talking about Sober October, Sober October, blah, blah, blah. Hmm. And it happened to be October 1st. I said, all right, I'm going to give it a shot. Just like that, out of the box. Yeah, just really impulsive, like every other decision I've ever made in my life, you know? So uh, I walk into the shop, and uh, usually the first thing I do, if I don't have a class or anything like that, I'll go to the fridge, grab a beer, and, you know, do whatever work I need to do around the shop just to kind of entertain myself. And so I walk in, I'm like, all right, I'm going to do Sober October. And I walk right to the fridge, and I go to grab a beer. I'm like, wait, what am I doing? I can't even make it in an hour. I said, oh, all right, all right, I'm I'm actually going to do this. I'm going to do this. And... uh, that first time that I did the Sober October was the hardest three days in the world. It was like, I can't, I've tried quitting smoking. I've never really done drugs. So I never had any of that stuff, but it was impossible. It felt impossible. And then I got over it. After and three days? It took about three days. Yeah. Okay. Because you keep telling yourself like, where I keep telling myself that, I need to be able to make it at least three days because that's, you know, the, all the physical, if, if I have like this physical need to have alcohol, then, then, then I have a real problem. Like if I can make it three days and I don't have that like DTs or shakes or anything like that, then I'm fine. And mm. it's all mental. Uh, so that first month, the first sober October I did was incredibly stressful. Uh, really, really hard. Harder than I thought it would be. You know, mm. I just thought that like I just not drink. But uh, evidently it was like, eh, <laughs> I, I really do need to drink. So at any point during that month, did you feel like after a certain period of time, were you like, oh, okay, this is, this is easy. This is better. My sleep's getting better. My relationships are getting better. My clarity of thought is coming back. I say about three weeks. Okay. Three weeks where you start feeling that. And then I always gave myself an exception to Sober October because we have the Oyster Fest in town. (laughs) That's my favorite, favorite (laughs) thing to do. Um, so I gave myself that one Saturday that I can have a couple beers. So it's sober half in October. No, well, it's one day out of 31, right? Or 30. I like the yeah. way you think. So, I mean, you know, it's, you're still at 90% sober. See, when people, when people come on and say, oh, I, and I fucked up, I slipped up, you know, and I, I haven't had a drink in like six months, and then I went out last weekend, and, I'm, and I actually do the math for them. I take the number of days, I figure out the percentage mm-hmm. of time they were sober versus the percentage of time they were drinking, and I say, well, look at how successful you are, you know, and look at it that way. That's the way to look at it. You know, there's, there's a lot of um, assumptions built into alcohol use and non-use that are grounded in 12-step recovery, and they've just become sort of like the 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 way that it is right and the way that everybody thinks about it well it's all or nothing right when you think about sobriety right you can't be half sober well that's we'll we'll put a pin in that well, we'll talk about that so in a the way i look at it is there's this isn't a court mandated sobriety for me you know this isn't <laughs> right it's it's I, my relationship with my wife isn't uh pinned on the fact that i have to be sober right we never had that discussion like where you need to not drink or we're going to get divorced. We never had that kind of conversation or that kind of issue. So this is all on me Mm -hmm. and my reasons for wanting to do it. So if I screw up, all right. Yeah. It's just start. I'll start again tomorrow. Right. You know, and just kind of move on. And at the end of the month, if it's a 31 day month that I did it and I was sober for 30 days, that's way better than I was for the past six, seven, eight, nine months, you know, of drinking almost daily. Yes. So, it's a win. 
Right. So, so what was your initial motivation for doing it though? Was it like, I'm just, cause you, it was seemed like it was an instantaneous decision, but I often find that when I make instantaneous decisions, when I look back, there's a lot of like stuff behind that instantaneous decision. Well, I look at it, uh, kind of like the sober months that I try to do, uh, as a reset button. Mm-hmm. Right. So I look at it, uh, for me, the summer is my busiest time of year with work, with everything going on. And it's also my favorite time of year to just sit around and do nothing but drink. Mm-hmm. So, and it starts getting crazy and I look at it, I'm like, all right, I know I'm going to be sober in October. I know I'm going to be sober in January. So my September and my December are absolute shit shows of, you know, well, I'm going to stop drinking next month so I can get as drunk as I possibly want every day or whenever I want for the next month. And, uh, <coughs> So I look at it as a reset and it kind of just puts life back into perspective. Like a, you know, like in a movie where somebody's having a panic attack and you get slapped across the face and it kind of like takes you out of it. That's mm-hmm. what I found. It, it worked for me and it helps with my, uh, my productivity and anxiety. Uh, I know I could, I noticed that it like builds up after a couple months of a couple months, a couple months of, you know, just the normal kind of day to day drinking that I do. And, uh, yeah, it's just a big reset. Given that you noticed like all those improvements in anxiety and sleep and all that stuff, <laughs> why go back to it then? Because it's so much fun. So what is fun about it? All right, well, I'll tell you this. So you know how I know sobriety sucks? How? All right. There's an entire industry based around how can we make being sober more fun? And it's just all right, go to a bar and get an N.A. beer or have a mocktail. Go hang out with your drunk friends because it is fun. Well, I think you find that a lot of people who are early on in not drinking or in their recovery still have the mindset that the way that they have to have fun is to go to a bar and hang out with people like they used to. But I think the thinking that that evolves over time and that your definition of what's fun changes because, honestly, if you're not drinking – my experience is it's not very much fun at all to sit in a bar with people who are because yeah, nobody people, wants to be the designated driver well, or the, uh, because, the sober guy in a bar because people who are drinking in a bar, like they, after like the first couple of drinks, this is something I've noticed at work stuff over the last few years, mm-hmm. they start to repeat themselves. The stories seem to go nowhere. Well, they think that they're most, they're the most erudite and interesting people in the world to mm-hmm. someone who's not drunk. It's just like, uh, I want to go home. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I see your point. I see your point. Yeah. But you're sober. So yeah, of course right. you're going to feel that way. So, I mean, to me, it seems more like our social structure keeps people stuck in these like behavioral patterns that don't serve them because people have a fear that if they're not engaging in that kind of behavior, they're going to be socially ostracized or something like that. So there is a large NA alcohol movement mm-hmm. which is very recent um it you could you definitely notice it where like uh, even like the brewery is starting to sell na beer which brewery uh the one right in town you're kidding me so they have na beer now do they make it i don't think they make it hmm. but i think they could only sell new york's made stuff so it's got to be from somewhere in new york hmm. uh but yeah that's like a big complaint or if you're sober and you still want to hang out with your friends or my wife still drinks and like, she doesn't really do the sober October or dry January or anything like that. Mm-hmm. So 
uh, am I just going to sit there and drink water? You could. Yeah, there's nothing, <laughs> right? Like, it, it sounds absurd where I'm sitting here going, like, well, I don't want to just drink water. I, mean, you know, I, I drink a lot of water all the time, you know. Who wants more water? I mean, the thing that I found especially irritating about that brewery is that if you didn't drink beer, there's, like, nothing else. They don't even have soda in there. I well, mean, maybe have, they do now. Yeah, they have they, wine. Okay, <laughs> right. Yeah. But they're, you know. It's a brewery. Yeah, but do they not do they not do like an economic calculus that says there are a certain number of people that don't drink or maybe with partners that drink and we could still sell them stuff and it wouldn't really take that much to just yeah. have a cooler full of this shit around for like the the five percent of the people that would come that now. Yeah, you know, okay. and especially with uh, like my my TikTok now inundated with uh, dry January uh, videos yes. and everything like yes. that. So yes. I, I think I said it out loud too many times. And China <laughs> now knows, but. Uh, yeah, it, like their restaurants and breweries, they're they're going in on this. Like, hey, you you want to be sober? We could still sell you the exact same uh, cost of a beer. Just you're not going to get anything right. out of it, uh, which is I think is a complete scam. Like, or mocktails, you know, just they drive me nuts. Well, you're paying fourteen dollars for juice. Yes, um, the better places though will put some thought into it and make it like a with the amount of labor they put into a cocktail but at the end it's, of the day juice and yeah, seltzer it's but it's it's tasty and you have you get it in an adult glass and you feel like you're participating in some kind of adultly ritual see but that's, i mean but i you're, see you're faking yeah going, you're pretending to to go out and and drink and have fun well you are having you're actually having fun you're not <laughs> pretending to have fun you're just having a different kind of fun yeah. so like i noticed in in myself you know, I'm like four and a half years now, right? And I noticed the first year, all I felt was uncomfortable in social situations. Mm -hmm. And it took me a while to sort of reprogram my head into seeing it in a completely different way. And it's really cognitive behavioral therapy that's in all these books that I've been trying to shove down your throat for the last <laughs> few years, like This Naked Mind and, you know, uh, Alan Carr is the easy way to quit drinking. And I'm sure there's a bunch of others, but it's all, it all basically lays out all the facts about alcohol, how it's uh, holding you back. It's a hundred percent poisonous neurotoxin with no positive uh, affects whatsoever. And, um, was that your phone or mine? I'm sorry. That's mine. Yeah. Um, and now I go out and I just observe people drinking. And I, I have the reverse of the feeling that I had in the first six months. Like, I am so happy I'm not doing that anymore. I found when the first time I did it, and I would have to go to these social events or like club events, mm -hmm. stuff like that, and uh, which I had to go to. So like there's... You know, as a business owner, like I have to, you know, show my face at these things, which I would, understood. I would completely avoid them if I could. But uh, the amount of anxiety that I had the first time I went to one of these events and it was, I'm going to be at a restaurant, everybody's drinking, you know, people are eating dinner. What am I going to drink? Mm -hmm. I don't really drink soda. So I got myself a Coke and I sat there and the, the anxiety that I have, the level that I had that I was panicking before I went. <laughs> And we got there and I just, I drank a, a soda. I was there for a couple hours. I nursed it mm -hmm. and uh, I was fine. Yeah. And it took that, that first time to say, oh, right. I don't, I don't, I don't have to drink, even though this is exactly what I would have done mm -hmm. at that time. Uh, I find like now, so I, I didn't do sober October this year. Uh, so with 
this month, you know, it feels like a month and it's been nine days in. Uh, <laughs> uh, I I know that I'm, I'm I know I'm purposely avoiding a lot of social activities because I don't want to I don't want to I don't want to drink. So I don't even want to give my, put myself into the situation at this point now. I want to give myself another week or another two weeks where all right I can go sit at a bar and have a hmm. seltzer in line. Uh, I have a date night tonight with my wife. You know, it's something that's really important to us. Right. So uh, we're sitting there talking to each other. She's like, well, what do you want to do? You don't want to drink. So we specifically don't want to go to our local bar where we normally would be. The same bar that you probably found us at, you know, 10 years ago. (laughs) Uh, So it's like, well, what do we do? It's like, uh, all right. And this is going to be the most alcoholic thing I'm ever going to say. Everything revolves around drinking when you're drinking. Right. So yes. like there's, you make an awful lot of space for it in your life. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, all right, well, what do we, what can we do that doesn't involve drinking? Well, I don't want to go for a walk tonight, you know? <laughs> well, uh, it's January. Yeah. Oh, well, I just, I mean, you know, we're, got, we're on a date night and like, all right, let's go for a walk. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't want to do that. Um, we can go to the movies. There's nothing really good out. Mm-hmm. You go to a play, you go to a concert. You could uh, go paint some pottery. You could, uh, so, you know, there's like a million. You go to the gym together. You go to a spa, you know, get treatments, get massages. Not seven o'clock at night. Yeah. <laughs> See, but, none, but so you have to ask yourself, like, why do none of those things sound appealing to you? Is it because they're not drinking or is it like none no, of no, that stuff really well, grabs you, you know? No, well, my wife won't work out with me. Right. So she does yoga and I do weightlifting. Uh, and I'm going to go right after. Well, this. I mean, you could just go out to dinner. Yeah. Okay. Like yeah. Aaron and I go out to dinner. So she'll is, have a glass of wine. I'll have, I'll order some kind of weird ass mock mocktail just to, you know. So this is my issue with going out to dinner with my wife while I'm sober. So again, my wife isn't, she's not a heavy drinker at all. And she can go weeks and months without drinking. Not a problem. But when we go out to dinner, she's going to get a beer or she's going to get a glass of wine, whatever she's going to get. Mm-hmm. And she stares at me. And when I order a soda or I order a seltzer and she looks at me, she's like, you're not going to get a beer. She's like, you're really going to stick with this? And I said, well, you get mad at me if I'm drinking too much and you get mad at me if I'm not drinking at all. And she said, well, just have a couple. And it's so unsatisfying to me just to have one or two. Right. I mean, and, and it's like, I can't, you, you, like you can't win with your wife. Well, and this was, this is more so an argument that we had uh, a couple of years ago when I f- first started doing this, where she didn't believe that I was going to go 30 days without drinking. Mm-hmm. Uh, now she's a lot more supportive with it. And if, she, if I don't get one, she won't get one. Mm-hmm. So kind of thing. So she, she's definitely come around because she knows that this is something that's important to me that I need, but it's, yeah, you sit there and it's like, uh, it's, you, you guys have said it before in your podcast where it's so, much so, it's so much more socially acceptable to drink than not to drink. Uh, in certain social groups. Yeah. Yes. Right, the, one of the first times I did it, or one of the months, uh, we went to our friend's house and uh, they were hanging out drinking just, you know, nice normal parents that we normally hang out with. And I had a bottle of iced tea. Mm-hmm. And the, the other dad ended up having 12 bottles on the table to try to entice me to drink. And I said, no, 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 I'm good. I'm good. I don't, I don't want anything. It's like, well, it's so weird that you're not drinking. Well, so what do you think that was all about? I, I think we're social creatures, right? We want, well, I think that was the other dad 
feeling <laughs> a little insecure about his own alcohol consumption well, and trying to. I think a lot of people because do that. when you think, I mean, isn't it? Don't you find it weird that alcohol is like the only drug that you have to justify not using, like in this society? Well, I think when you tell people that you're sober yeah. for whatever reason, aside from being pregnant, there's a well. Do you have a problem? But I think that depends on connotation to it. I depend. Think that some of that depends on the cohort that you hang out with. Which, if you've previously only hung out with people who drink, that's going to be your cohort, right? Mm -hmm. That's going to be your group. Which is why, like, why why I recommend AA to people because I don't really believe that the program itself is all that effective in getting people to quit long term. But that's a discussion for another day. But what you get immediately is built-in social socializing. You get a group of people who are also not drinking, who you can go out and do stuff with, um, and w- which is sort of the magic behind these groups. But um, it's also why like things like Dry January and Sober October, I think anything that takes somebody away from alcohol long enough that maybe a couple of thoughts pop up in your head about, you know, I feel so good at the end of this, I'm just going to keep on going, uh, is a good thing. But I think just dropping that into the middle of your life and then trying to sort of graft your normal life into that 30 day period of not drinking is extremely difficult, if not impossible, because you're not changing anything except the fact that you're not drinking. I, 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 I see your point and I agree with you, but if for me, yeah, I'm, I've just taken alcohol out of the equation mm-hmm. right on my day to day basis. And I'm taking your advice. I'm actually going to do February as well. I'm going to go for the full 60 days. You said that you don't really start feeling the effects until after the 30 days. So I said, all right, let me give 60 a try. Did I say 90 days? No, no, you said 60. (laughs) You said 60, very specific. (laughs) Because Uh, it takes the brain 90 days to rewire a new habit. That's why, like, 90 days is a really good period of time. Yeah, but March, you know, that's... Guinness is my favorite beer, so, you know. (laughs) They make N.A. Guinness. Yeah, no, I'm not not doing it. I had one last St. Paddy's Day. No, you know... It's not bad. Not to... (laughs) This this bothers me about N.A. beer. So, for the same amount of calories... It's only 70 calories. For the same price as well, right? I went to the the beer distributor the other night to grab uh, a six-pack of N.A. beer just to be able to... Which one? I got the Athletic Hazy IPA. Yeah, that's actually pretty good. I've had that. Yeah, yeah. It's it's good for an NA beer, right? So, uh, okay. I mean, all right, go ahead. All right. Anyway, so, sorry. Same calories, same price, which bothers me because it should be cheaper, right? That, that alcohol in there should cost a little bit extra, and it doesn't. So mm. I'm spending the exact same amount of money on an NA beer than I would on a regular IPA. And I've, I'm not getting the benefits. It, it, <laughs> You're getting more benefits. No, no. I, I'm like, all right, at this point, I might as You're well You're getting just better sleep, water. better health, better, you know, <sighs> less cancer risk. You know, there's a whole... You're getting... The money you're paying is like giving you more yeah. benefits in spades than what you're getting from buying regular alcohol. Yeah, yeah but... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah uh, I just... Uh, the whole NA beer thing just bothers me. And I, every single time I drink one, I want to, like, call you and just be like, what the fuck's the point of this? There, listen, I don't really drink them anymore. I used to in the like the first year was and it a like half. A crutch. Uh, uh, that's yes. what I find that I'm yes. using. Yes, exactly what it was. Uh, although I would call it like a, a an aid mm. rather, than, rather than a crutch, which sound a crutch sounds more um, negative. Yeah, tomato, tomato. But yeah. right. <laughs> so, um, 
I, but I found that uh, while they were very helpful for me in the beginning, like I'd come off the boat and I'd crack in a beer while I'm cutting a fish or something. I'd be like, you know, Hey America. Woo. And then <laughs> after a little while, I was like, I realized like that I n- never really drank much beer because I love the taste. I drank beer because I like to get fucked up on beer. Mm-hmm. So, um, and I, and the, the funny thing is I never liked uh, IPAs when I was drinking, but, I like them. I, I drink like Lagunitas hot water, which yeah. is basically zero calorie. Um, it's just hops, it's like hop tea or something. And it's got that nice bite of an IPA without any of the other like, you know, barley weedy stuff behind it. But anyway, um, I just kind of stopped you've drinking them. Like I, I just, don't, you, I have, have, I get them for the holidays in case, you know, I want to have one. I, but I've had a case of NA Peron, a case. I've had a sick, nobody buys a case of any beer. You have one, you have one and you're like, why, why am I doing this? Well, that's the, the other thing is like, why do they sell them in six packs? Who the fuck is going to buy a six pack well, non-alcoholic a, beer? Who's drinking a six pack of them in a sitting? Well, okay. So, you know, there's a big controversy in the recovery community about whether any beers are something that should even be consumed. No, I didn't write. I'm not in the uh, so, <laughs> recovery. So it's true. But in AA, they say non-alcoholic beers are for non-alcoholics. Uh, you know, that stuff will lead you right back down the primrose path to picking up the bottle and all this other stuff because it's it's triggering. It'll get you going. Hmm. Wasn't the case for me. Maybe it's the case for some people. Um, I have the thought of having more than one. Like, I, I sometimes I barely finish one. Um, but I've also, there are some people that listen to this podcast who've said, you know, they, they've bought us. Uh, a six pack of NA beer and they drink it and then they go out and buy another one. Like, because some of them have like 0.5% in them. And I guess people, the back of somebody's mind, they're like, well, you know, maybe if I drink like 20 of these, it's not, you know. Well, you could do the same thing with orange juice, right? Yeah. Or ripe bananas yeah. or, you know, any of that kind of stuff. But I mean, um, how, how many would it take? At 0.5? At 0. 0.5. I don't know. What's a feel? regular beer? Like four or 5%? Well, let's call it 5% for easy math. So right. then five of them would be one beer, right? No. Oh, it, I don't know. No, it, it, this was my other thought. Like, if I had a regular beer and then I had an NA beer on top of it, is my BAC going up because of that extra 0.5? And it, it would have to, right? I guess. Yeah. But they also make zero zeros. Like, Heineken zero is, is actually zero. It's not 0.5. And Peroni yeah. zero is zero. Yeah, I just... <sighs> I, I mean, I, I, I drink them, obviously. And we've, we've talked about this where I, I do drink them. I, I'm going to get close to my problems. Uh, <laughs> I'll have one. It'll hit the spot, right? I like the taste of beer. Mm-hmm. Beer's my favorite, especially IPAs. So I have one. So you think. No, no I do. <laughs> I do. I do like them. Uh, I know what I like. It's fine. Uh, so I'll have one and like, okay. And the amount of times that I've sat down with an NA beer versus a regular beer and contemplated what am I doing with my life has been similar. Right, I'm sitting there sipping that NA beer, and it's like, oh, this kind of tastes like an IPA. So, what am I doing? Yeah. Why, do, why don't I just have a water? Why don't I just have a seltzer? Well, and and that's where you get to in your head after a little while and not drinking. You're like, why am I trying to recreate this thing? Well, that I so that much, I stopped doing so much water and so much seltzer you could drink. That's true, but there's kombucha. There's all kinds of stuff oh. you can drink out there now. Oh, you're just you, you know. you've just become a hippie. Well. But he- <laughs> I mean, just because I have a picture of Jerry Garcia's Bodhidharma yeah. on the, my wall doesn't mean I'm a hippie, damn it. Um, 
I guess that's the other end of the NA uh, drink market, right? Is these people are putting these uh, adaptogenic elixirs out there that are supposed to be more adult flavor than soda, but not alcoholic that have like reishi mushrooms and shit in them that supposedly like calm you down and stuff. And I have almost no idea what you just said. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, there's like NA tequila now and NA gin and NA scotch. Have you heard of this? No. If you want it through Whole Foods right now, you can probably buy all those. What what is NA tequila or scotch? Like how, how is that even possible? You know, the actor Danny Trejo, yeah. So he's been sober for 50 years, mm-hmm. right? And he markets an NA tequila that he's come up with. I have never had it, nor would I have it, because to me, the only point of drinking tequila is to get fucked up. Like, I would never willingly drink tequila for the taste. Are there yeah, people out there that it. do? Maybe there are. But anyway, I guess people buy these things and then make cocktails out of them. See, all you're doing is recreating yeah. the thing that you I, that and, you were supposed to leave. And that's the principal, you know, discussion. But if it's if it's getting people off booze as a as a tra- sort of like if you're becoming a vegan, a plant-based vegan, mm-hmm. you you're you're going to go out there and you're not going to start off by eating, you know, all all chopped salad and shit. You're going to transition with these weird franken meats that they sell in the supermarket like beyond beef and this yeah. So I think that's the target market for those kind of things. So it's not like the the true vegan or like the true Well, maybe they're targeting dry January people who yeah. like, you know, think that maybe they can have a fake scotch on the rocks and it will somehow scratch the same itch. I don't know. Well, if you notice you know? uh Coming up in December and January, if you go to the beer distributor, they put the NA beer in the fridge. <laughs> Finally. Which <laughs> normally it was just, you know, in the back shelf in the corner, like you you had to go look for it. Right. Um, they have it in the fridge now. Mm-hmm. So they're obviously recognizing that people want this and they're probably going to drink it right when they get home or they're going to go take it to a party or whatever it is. Mm. So, yeah, I think in general sobriety is becoming more socially acceptable, which is an absurd thought. Is it? Or, you know, is it a good thing? I mean... No, no, I mean, it's absurd that it has to be normalized. Oh, I see. Yeah. Right? Rather than, like, yeah, well, why would you drink? You know, it's a poison. It's all all these bad things with it. Yeah. I mean, what are the virtues of alcohol in your estimation? (sighs) fun uh what part of it is fun i'm just going to drill down a little bit now oh, because this is this is this is a therapy because right if now. you look this at this a- if you look at the science of it okay from from a from a scientific perspective no one would ever willingly put this shit in their body if they knew everything that yeah, it but no, nobody approaches almost anything with yeah. science based right, right? We're, we're, we're humans we're going to go with like this emotion we're going to go with a, a feeling that well, explains the existence of doritos as well yeah. right okay. all right you're not going to put that in your body right. you know based off of the literature except this stuff is considerably worse than eating a bag of doritos right um depends depends so what what kind of got me thinking um in the beginning about just quitting in general was I started reading about how, okay, if you drink a one unit of alcohol, let's say like a beer or a glass of wine, you're going to get the, the, the loosening of the uh, prefrontal cortex. You know, you're going to, it's going to create this relaxation, a um, little bit of uh, 
you know, it'll calm think, calm you down a little bit. Do you know how long that lasts if, with one drink? No. Present. 20 minutes. All right. So, and after 20 minutes, you experience an immediate sort of feeling of withdrawal. So say you were to go out and have one drink mm-hmm. and then like a lot of people say, Hey, you know, I wish I could drink normally. I wish I could just go out and have one or two drinks. Honestly, to me, I would never want to have one or two drinks. That sounds like a fucking nightmare to me. I want to have all of the drinks. <laughs> I want to have 10 drinks. I don't want to have one drink well, because one, one after, is good. I'm still out after 20 minutes and, and then, yeah. and then the withdrawal comes in and it, would, it creates cortisol and my anxiety level will go up and all this stuff, which is why like the, they say like you drink the first one and then the drinks drink the rest of them because you, after one, you want to f- push off that feeling of withdrawal of stress and all that stuff. And the way surefire way to do that is to have another one. And then it sort of feeds on itself until, you know, that's why you go out to the bar at six o'clock at night to have a, have a beer with your friends. And then it's one o'clock in the morning and you're rolling in because like the alcohol is drinking itself for you, you know, but, um, wow. <laughs> Anyway, that's that just got me sort of thinking about the. Uh, it sounds like you have a much more like a like hatred for alcohol than uh, I have developed a distaste for what alcohol has done to society and to people that I never had really in the past. Is this? I mean, we we obviously met in a bar, right? Yes. No. Right? I, look, and we've we've drank plenty of times together, and I didn't even realize that you were sober until like six months in. You had to like <laughs> remind me like to stop offering you a beer every time you came over. Uh, but yeah, there's definitely a change in your attitude towards alcohol. Where you know, obviously now we're talking about. We usually don't go into this kind of depth uh, whenever we talk about sobriety no. and stuff like that. Right. Uh, and we do spend a lot of time talking uh, with each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, you, you seem like you have like this absolute like just angst towards alcohol. Well, I my brain sort of rewired itself, and and part of this was on purpose because if you see if you see alcohol in a positive light, mm. there's less reasons not to drink it, right? So it helps if you can <laughs> if you could. But but anybody that really puts all the evidence on the table, mm-hmm. and really you can do this. A little while after you quit drinking, right? Because your, your brain clears up and you start looking at this stuff objectively because there's no little voice, little alcohol voice in your head trying to spin up excuses why you should go back and, and drink. Like that eventually goes away, right. right? So you look at it all objectively and you think, man, what a, the alcohol industry, did you know they sell 80% of their product to 10% of the people that drink? So they know that most of their products are going to people that have drinking problems and they just don't give a fuck, you know? So I, am I angry at the alcohol industry? Well, that's, yeah. That's kinda. business, man. That's capitalism, yeah. I guess. Yeah. Right. But that's show you know, business, yeah. man. You gotta, <laughs> why would you market to the people who are not going to use your product? Well, because basically you're just, you're just a, a drug dealer with a really large megaphone. I mean, and yeah, you but know. you could say that about any industry, right? No, not, not even alcohol. No, but uh, so how many, you know how many people died of opioid uh, um, health-related issues last year? I don't have the numbers. It is roughly 100,000 people. You know how many people have died every single year from health-related alcohol issues? 100,000 people. Not counting car accidents. That's an additional 30,000 people. So you've got to ask yourself why the government has all of a sudden decided it has to wage war on the opioid epidemic when the alcohol, which is perfectly legal substance with no restrictions on its marketing is being allowed to go out there 
carefree and continue to, to market with no restrictions. Well, so I mean, yeah, here, it makes me, it annoys me. Here in the U.S., we've already fought that fight, right? Um, well, and the funny thing about prohibition, if that's what you're alluding yeah, to, totally. is that alcohol-related deaths went down, liver disease went down. There were all these positive effects of prohibition. Now, of course, prohibition comes with its own set of problems, mm-hmm. criminal activity, you know, bathtub gin that kills people, right? So you, I guess you, there's always going to be a certain subset of, of people that are just going to want to alter their consciousness. It's as old as human history, right? Yeah. But there are far less destructive drugs you can use. You know, there's psilocybin in a clinical setting. There's, uh, you know, cannabis to some degree. Um, yeah, but, I, I, well, I can't personally do drugs. So I, I have a license and they won't let me do it and I get drug tested. Right. So I've thought about it before I got these licenses and stuff. And we're like, well, you know, I could just go and I'll just smoke weed. But I absolutely hate it. I, I hated smoking weed. I hate the way that it makes me feel. I, Paranoia? I, uh, I, my anxiety goes through the roof yeah. with it and I can't deal with it. And I don't know how I'm going to uh, react to weed. Right mm-hmm. on, it, and every single time I've ever smoked it, I've always felt completely different. Right, you know. So alcohol, I know it's predictable. I, I know that devil. Right, <laughs> so I know exactly how many beers it takes. I know how many scotches I could have. I know exactly whatever level I want to feel at. I can get there. It's kind of like I'm giving, I'm self-administering my own medication. Mm. Right, if I want to just feel nice and relaxed, I know this is the amount. So what are we medicating for? Oh, <laughs> man. Um, because, I mean, well, you know. Oh, here's the thing. with This is what I like about alcohol, all right, or drinking in general, not necessarily alcohol. Well, I, we're talking about alcohol, so that's what it is. That's the activity, right? So just drinking. Mm-hmm. So what am I doing today? Um, I'm drinking. Right. All right. Well, you never say, oh, well, what else? You know, it's just drinking. Mm-hmm. So if I'm going to sit down in my chair in my backyard, which I'm really happy, I'd love doing that. All I have to do is just sit there and drink. I don't have to do anything else. When I'm sober, it's like, well, what are you going to do? Well, if I just sit here in this chair all day, <laughs> I am a lazy piece of shit and I, there's nothing going on. But you put a beer in my hand and now, hey, I'm doing something. But aren't you like you're borrowing relaxation from tomorrow? Because... You're sitting there all day, you're drinking, and then the next day you wake up and like, I mean, for me, my anxiety was way worse. I'd wake up at three o'clock in the morning, my heart would be pounding, the whole next day I was fucking useless. I, I don't... So is the cure worse than the disease? No, see, I don't get that, right? So just me personally, I don't... You're younger, right? You know, uh, yeah, I'm, I don't know, 15 years younger than you, I guess. Okay. I don't know, without, I don't know the actual math. Uh, I don't... I. The only time I'll get the anxiety from the night before of drinking is if I hung out with people that I don't really know or people that I should have not said a lot of the things I said. <laughs> um, you know, I, I typically don't have a filter in between my brain and my mouth normally. Uh, and then without that, with the alcohol added, then forget it. I'm, I'm, I'm going to go for, I'm an entertainer, right? So I want, I want to shock you. I want to make you laugh. That's the, my favorite thing in the world. Uh, so the only time I'll get the anxiety is like, oh, shit, maybe I shouldn't have said that. That's probably really inappropriate. Or I'll kind of like I'll wake up in the morning and look <laughs> at my wife and be like, oh, all right. She's not mad at me. All right, we're good. We're good. And I could go on with the day. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but yes, yes, there's times where I absolutely feel that anxiety. The, the fog is there for the next day, especially if I you know went a little too hard the night before or something. Uh, yeah, yeah, the, the fog is there. And the, the fog is the worst part where just like you can't focus and like all that stuff. But 
typically like whenever I do the dry, uh, dry months and stuff, I found that my first week or two weeks, I don't have, I don't wake up any better. Yeah. Right. Cause it takes a while. So it, it takes a while, but you, the first time I did this and I woke up, you know, three days later, I'm like, I feel like I'm hung over. And I haven't had anything to drink in three days, four days, seven days, whatever it is. So, well, what the hell's the point of this? Is this is if this is the way I'm going to feel every day waking up? What is the what is the point of not drinking? Well, and then, and then you eventually start feeling better. And and that's a really good point because whenever people are, um, you know, putting dry January out there or sober October, they're always tend to focus on the positives, right? Like you're going to feel great. Your sleep's going to be great and everything. No. And then when people, <laughs> when people start to do it, um, they realize that, and, and things aren't like improving right away uh, because you get like agitated and restless, right? Well, or you think this isn't working. Fuck it. Why should I do this? Right? Well, that's, yeah, that's the exact thought. Like why am I bothering with being sober when I don't feel any better? And it takes that long period of time. The, you said it, it takes 60 days, right? Or well, 90, whatever you want to go so with it, it, Some of it depends on how much you drank, were drinking in the past. Yeah. Like for me, for me like I, this last time that I, that I quit, I didn't start feeling physically back to my old self for, you know, four months, four or five months. That's a long, I mean, it, that's a, obviously you guys have made an entire uh, podcast about like <laughs> how hard that actually is. Well, and you, and you, that's the thing is like, people don't, people aren't told this, like, I don't know why 30 days is like the amount of time that everything seems to have to be done for. It's like a 30 day challenge rehab. It tends to be 30 days. It, it, probably that's insurance driven, but, um, well, when, and, you, and when in 30 days is not enough time. Well, when you, <laughs> when you decided not. this time to quit drinking, was your intention to quit drinking forever? It wasn't the first week, but after the first week. So, so that's a pretty loaded question because Again, the recovery community is like one day at a time. You just yeah, need no. to not drink today. But what was uh, your actual intention when you stopped drinking? My my intention was to quit drinking in an open ended way. Like I didn't have, I didn't say to myself in the beginning because I didn't have any resources. In the beginning, it was just kind of like you waking up that one day, hearing something about taking thirty days off, and then just doing it. Mm-hmm. I, but for me, it was like I was at a, in a cabin in upstate New York and I spent three days getting shit faced and I played a whole game of Monopoly with my family that I didn't remember. And then the next morning I woke up uh, in a bed and I remembered like sneaking out behind the, the cabin to smoke weed. And I was like, all right, this, things are like, <laughs> I need to I need to take a take a, a rest to stop and reevaluate my relationship with substance abuse. Right. And, I, and it's not like I was doing a lot of drugs. I mean, I did in the eighties, but this is like, in all fairness, you weren't sneaking in the back cabin to go smoke weed because like you felt weed was wrong. You just didn't want your kids to see it. Yeah. I didn't want my kids to see it, but I wouldn't like, why did I have a weed pen with me up in upstate New York? Like, why was I drinking two bottles of red wine? And, and like, you know, what, what, what's up with that? Why, like what, you know, I, you're, you're I can't stuck s- in a cabin upstate New York. I like, with but see, family. I like that shit, man. I like my family and I like, no, no, I like going hi- and I like going hiking with them and I like doing all this stuff with them. And like, so why did, why was the alcohol there too? Because I could do all that stuff without the booze too, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And so it was open-ended until I started Googling like, alternatives to AA because look, I've always had a a complicated relationship with drinking. Like I, in the nineties, like I had a lot of issues with drugs and stuff in the eighties. 
I sobered up for like three years in the 90s through Alcoholics Anonymous. And it, it, that program never sat right with me. I, didn't, I don't believe that you need to turn over your will to a higher power in order to achieve sobriety. I, mm-hmm. I don't believe that turning your control over or admitting that you're powerless is a particularly helpful thing uh, to do to achieve sobriety, especially for women and, and other people who have traditionally been powerless in society. To, um, Man, you're going deep. <laughs> well, that's what we do. Here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, so I'm like, what are the alternatives? And I happen to find uh, a podcast by Rich Roll. I don't know if you've ever listened to him. He's been yeah. on Rogan, I think, actually. He's this vegan. He was a lawyer, cokehead, and alcoholic who became like a vegan, lost a whole bunch of weight, did a whole bunch of Ironmans. Um, yeah, the va- the sounds vaguely familiar. Yeah. yeah. And anyway, he... Uh, has been in 12 step recovery for years. And he had this guy on, I remember this, um, from a organization called one year, no beer. And it's sort of like, um, were they still like drinking hard alcohol or, uh, who just the one year, no beer. Is it? No, no, no. Is no. that being like really specific? It's, like you can't, no, no, you can do anything else but beer. That's their marketing shtick. The guy's like right. an entrepreneur. So he, you know, you come up with this stuff like yeah, one year, no beer recovery in the middle ages, you know, that kind yeah. of shit. Yeah. But I would sit there and be like, well, I, I can not have beer. I could, I could just drink you know, scotch. That's See, that, that's, that's the alcohol in your head. Telling no, no, you that's that, the, <laughs> you can still have scotch. I think that's a neurodivergent. You know, anyway, <laughs> so I, I listened to this guy and I listened to this interview and, and he's all about like, it's all about lifestyle. Like you can have, um, alcohol is holding you back. Cause you know, I wrote a couple things down about this because he actually had the other founder from one year, no beer on this week. I just want to just point out that, uh, that Mike was shaking his paper at me as he was <laughs> preaching to me about, uh, I have not preaching. <laughs> I am not a preacher because you can't, you can't, there's no way I could make you quit drinking even if I wanted to. Yeah. Like yeah. it's got to come from you. It can't come from the outside. Right. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, well, this is like court mandated. You know? Right. But even then, and even, the, yeah, even, even then. then people, you know, and, and that's says something, doesn't it? Like that people have yeah. the threat of prison hanging over their head and they still can't not stop yeah. drinking. But anyway, no judgment. Though. No, no, no of course. you're in that situation. I, well, I'm not a judge. Right. Yeah. I, 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 ju- I don't judge people. I don't, I can't, unless I walk a mile in their shoes and I can, you yeah. can't do that. You can't put Every, yourself in someone else's Everybody head. has a story. You know? Of course. You gotta- yeah. Um, but anyway, so this, so this one year, no beer, beer guy was basically saying, look, alcohol is holding you back. It's a hundred percent poisonous neurotoxin with no effects. And if you stop drinking it, you'll lose weight. You'll be a better parent. You'll make more money. You know, all this stuff. And I'm like, well, those are some very practical reasons mm-hmm. to give not drinking a try. You know, and they're not like, you know, I hate the term alcoholic. I think it's reductive. I think it's, it's not descriptive. I don't think it allows for the fact that there's a continuum of alcohol use disorder where people who are drinking like one or two drinks a day on one end and really would like to stop, but can't to the people who are the traditional under a bridge drinking out of a paper bag. And Mm -hmm. I don't think those people are necessarily the same. There's definitely commonalities between them. Mm -hmm. Right. But I don't think that's a good this, point because I wouldn't call myself an alcoholic. No, just I, because I'm not the guy under a bridge. I don't even know what right? that term really means. Yeah. I, you know I don't. What I, mean? I don't like it. And if you have to, sit, it, like, we're obviously sitting here talking about sobriety. I that term is so bothersome to somebody. Yes, that I don't consider myself an alcoholic. I'm 
highly functional of anything. Yes. You know, but am I, am, how far away am I personally from being under a bridge, you know, drinking 50, 50 mad dog or whatever it is, <laughs> you know, how far away from that? How many bad decisions do I need to make to get to that point? Right. And I, I don't, I don't know. I think that I have, you know, I have some buffer room in here, you know, before I'm there. Uh, but I, yeah, I just hate that term. Cause it just, there's, if I were to say it, right, if you, if I go through every kind of like diagnosis and like saying, Hey, am I actually an alcoholic or am I just a heavy drinker or am I just a normal person who likes drinking? It feels like I'm a failure if I say I'm an alcoholic, mm. right? Cause I, I screwed up. I right? somehow I, I messed up and now I'm an alcoholic. Well, or, it's, there's stigma attached yeah, to that. Yeah, that's the, I guess that's the best way to put it. Yeah. But it's not a helpful term. No, because because there's plenty of people who you you will always be able to find somebody who's work doing worse than you with drinking, right? Well, I fit, and when you're now looking at all these like TikTok videos and stuff like that, you're um, you're seeing people that hey only have that one or two drinks a day, mm-hmm. or you know three or four drinks throughout the week or whatever it is, and they're struggling getting off of alcohol the same way that yes. I am when I'm drinking daily, you know. So. <sighs> I don't know where I was going with it. But like <laughs> you, you just see that people are struggling with a, with a little or as much as, you know, there's like, there, I don't know. Well, alcohol use disorder is the preferred term these days. And that is, a, and it's a spectrum. And like I said, on one end of the spectrum, spectrum. is, well, <laughs> yes. But on one end of the spectrum is the, is the TikTok guy who's mm-hmm. drinking a couple times a week and still has an unhealthy relationship with alcohol and is alcohol dependent in some way. Mm-hmm. And on the other hand is, is the guy that's hiding the bottles around the house and all that kind of stuff, you yeah. know? And there should be some space in a treatment for both of those ends of the spectrum. Mm-hmm. The problem is like with, and I don't want to get into like inside baseball with Alcoholics Anonymous versus smart recovery versus all the other things out there. But like AA, there's a certain set of beliefs that you ascribe to if you're in that program. One is that, you know, it's a, it's a progressive disease that will inevitably end in jails, institutions, or deaths if you keep drinking. And if you need to hit a rock bottom before um, you can um, really accept the idea that you need treatment and none of that stuff is supported by science, and in fact, it shows science shows that early intervention in someone with a with an alcohol use disorder is a is a much better way of achieving a positive result than letting someone almost die and then trying to drag them back up from the gutter. Right. right. So there's this revolution in alcohol use disorder treatment that's going on right now. There's medications for cravings now that are are used to be this thing called antabuse, and you would take it, and if you drank, you could potentially die. Wow, okay, sign me up for that shit, right? That's pretty good motivation not to drink. (laughs) I guess so, but... um, I mean, a a true alcoholic will probably still drink, and that's how they... Well, and and do you... I mean, the the fear of death has not dissuaded a lot of alcoholics in history. No. (laughs) (laughs) You know? I mean, you're cheating it almost every single time that you you start drinking, you go driving, you're going to do a bunch of other dumb stuff that you decide to do while you're drinking. 
you know, so yeah, yeah, no, the, yeah. the fear of death isn't. Well, I mean, the fear of losing your family, the fear of prison. I mean, people will drink their way and, and kind of make, but the thing is alcohol warps your thinking when, when you're at that level of abuse, right? It warps your thinking to the point where you can't even see your way out of this box that you put yourself in. Everything is somebody else's fault and I'll quit tomorrow and all these other mm-hmm. million justifications and rationalizations because alcohol gets inside your fucking brain and fucks with the way you think because it's sort of like it, alcohol will always make you think in the way that it encourages you to continue to use alcohol. It's never going to and 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 there's there's a uh, um, a, a treatment methodology out there called uh, smart recovery, which came, which is cognitive behavioral therapy, basically. And what it basically says is that any thought that you have in your head that encourages you to drink, you take that and you you call it a beast, and you can give the beast a name, and it's this thing that lives inside your head, and you sort of separate that from the other you that is the real you, which is the you that doesn't want to use or drink, right? Okay. And that by by um, by understanding and acknowledging that this thing exists in your head, that's the way to minimum, like eventually shut it. You can practice telling, shutting it in a closet, telling it to shut the fuck up, putting chains around it, all this other stuff. Telling kids about the boogeyman kind of thing. The, uh, yeah. Yeah. To, to some degree, but it's like your, it's like your own self hypnosis almost. Okay. Right. right. Um, I don't know. How did I get there? <laughs> I just rant. That's yeah, all I, I do. I, I just rant. Well, all right. So just to you let me back. talk more than Nat does. I- <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I'll start interrupting you. Uh, to, to circle back on the reason why I asked you when you decided to quit drinking, like, was it for a oh, period of time? Right. So okay. mm-hmm. the reason why I asked that is like, that you're saying that the 30 days isn't enough time, right? For people to really start feeling the benefits. And why do we promote this 30 day dryness and or dampness or whatever you want to call it. I don't, I, when I wake up in the morning on January 1st or uh, October 1st, the first thought in my head is I don't want to quit drinking forever. Mm-hmm. All right. I, I don't, I don't think that I have a bad relationship with it, uh, with alcohol. So to me, it says, well, I don't, I don't want to give up drinking my whole life. So let me just take these 30 days. Let me take the small little bite out of it. See how I feel. And if I want to go back to drinking, I can. If I don't want to go back to drinking, there's nothing that says I have to. And I did it, uh, I'm going to say like a couple of years ago. I went almost, almost two months. I went like a month and a half. And by the sixth week, I was feeling really good. And I was really contemplating, like, maybe I just don't ever go back to drinking. Mm. And I was at that point where just like, you know, I feel so much better in my life, uh, I don't want to go drink. And I was going to go to a uh, work conference and our work conferences just tend to be, they do, you know, just <laughs> drink fest. So I was leaving that weekend and I said, well, I don't really want to drink. So what do I do there? That's what it's going to be expected of me. And of course I went when I drank and I went right back to the, to the level of drinking that I was doing beforehand. And I felt like absolute garbage for, for weeks just because of that hangover. Right. You know, um, uh, but it, I don't want to quit forever. So let me take my 30 days. Yeah. See how I feel for the 60 days that I'm going to do uh, this time around, or I'm going to try to do this time around. And we'll see how it goes. And if I make the decision, you know, at 60 days that, hey, let's go 70, let's go 90, let's go a year, let's go two years, whatever it is. And if that's what it comes down to, that's what it comes down to. But in my head right now, I don't want to say that I'm never going to drink again because that's depressing to me. Which is it's sad, 
you know. Well, no, but it's it's understandable because, you know, the the parallel for me was like, you know, I quit drinking and then I would I was worrying about, you know, my sister in law's wedding, which was like two years <laughs> in the future, and I'm like, well, this is absurd. Like, why am I? I got a party in a week and a half. Yeah, and I'm contemplating like, do I go? Uh, it's a hundred dollars per person, which includes all your food, drinks, and everything like that. So I'm not going to drink a hundred dollars worth of soda. Can you eat a hundred dollars worth of food? No, I don't even. <laughs> I, I don't eat that much. So it's like, well, I'm just wasting money if I go and I don't drink. Mm. So do I make an exception for that throughout this time just to be able to drink there? Mm. You know, and and it's it it's absurd to me with everything that I feel like I've accomplished in my life. This is what I'm thinking about. Right. And it's like, well, I have to sit here and I have, I'm doing this mental gymnastics of mm-hmm. whether I should drink in two weeks at a party that I don't necessarily need to go to, but I want to. Right. You know, and it's, it's like, hmm, maybe there's something there. I mean, that really is a, a, a great point because the one thing you realize when you finally stop completely, if, uh, you know, that's your future, whatever, is that all of that chatter inside your head do i drink this time how many do i have you know should i go to this thing should i do that no it's all gone all that that voice is gone because it's already a settled question like you're gonna go you're not gonna drink you're gonna go if you're gonna go it's gonna be for other reasons than get than drinking your fill maybe it's like i need to make connections with these people whatever yeah you know because alcohol took up so much space in the head you know, when you think, am I going to drink here? Am I not going to drink here? Am I, you know, if I drink then, I'm going to feel like this tomorrow. And then tomorrow, should I have a drink too? Maybe to feel better towards night. And then sometimes, and then sometimes, you know, I don't feel like drinking the next day, but then I have to have a drink anyway. And it's that voice that just yeah. keeps going on and on and on. It sounds like I'm listening to my own head. Yeah. And then, and then the fucking, it just goes away after a while. But, you know, so there's, t- there's two couple schools of thought, right? You could... Like um, smart recovery says you have to make a big plan and say, this is the last day I'm going to drink. And I'm never going to drink again. And everything that I do in my life is going to be um, no matter what happens, I'm not going to drink again. And then there's the other side. There's like the, the 12 step AA folks that are like, as long as I don't drink today, I'll worry about tomorrow, tomorrow. And then when I get to tomorrow, I say, well, I'm not going to drink today. It's today. You know, every morning you do the same thing and you eventually you string all those days together and you have, you know, there's years, whatever. Yeah. Oops. Sorry. Um, but, you know, there's not, I don't know if there's a right way to do it or a wrong way to do it. And <clears throat> well, everybody just going to find their own way. It, everybody has to find their own because people are individuals. And, and I don't think there's a one size fits all method for uh, having an alcohol, a relationship with alcohol. You know, I mean, if you want to quit for 30 days or 60 days and then reevaluate, that's great. You know, mm-hmm. one would hope that after 60 days, you're like, I'm feeling so fucking good i'm just not doing this again you know maybe I maybe know. you know but that's i mean that's 60 days away right right so i don't, don't know worry about gonna, it yeah i don't know what's gonna happen don't worry just worry so, about today so I'm just gonna, i gotta get through the next hour you know <laughs> that's that's the way well, it's only at. like 10 15 yeah, i hope you can get through the next I'm, hour well, well a little <laughs> little judgment huh yeah well i thought this was a safe place so apparently not uh no, but I'm a day drinker, so I, I much prefer to drink during the day and then be in bed fairly early than, okay. than drinking at night. I hate drinking at night. I mean, I do, but I, I hate doing it. I'd rather, if I'm at a bar at two in the morning, I feel like I've failed somewhere in my life. Hmm. But if I'm drunk at five o'clock, six o'clock, oh, all right, I'm good. I'm going to have dinner. I'm going to go to bed. I was the opposite. I, liked, I like drinking at night. I like going out. 
like doing all that stuff. I, I like doing the it. bars and but, everything. You know, yeah, I was not a sit in the house and drink by myself kind of guy. So I always when I I didn't start drinking until uh, late in college. Actually, I think it was out of college before I started drinking. I really didn't drink in college. Uh, uh, I was living on my own. And I always had a rule where everybody always said, like, if you drink by yourself, you're an alcoholic. So, I, you know, 19, 20, 21 years old, I said, well, I, I live by myself. I can't, you know, I don't have a friend <laughs> over, I can't drink. So then I just avoided it. That's funny. You know, it, it was like this mentality that I have it. Yeah. And now as an adult, <laughs> that's my favorite time to drink. <laughs> you know, the kids are in bed. My wife's in bed. All right. I'm, I could sit there and watch a movie or play on my phone or I could read some emails or do whatever I have to do. And I had to have a nice, quiet drink by myself. And it's like, oh, this is great. I don't have to be sitting at a bar doing all this stuff. Yeah. Uh, towards the end of my experiences with alcohol, I used to just put on uh, Grateful Dead YouTube videos and slam beers on the couch with everybody uh, in bed. And sometimes I would completely crooked st- stagger into bed at like one o'clock in the morning. I'm know? not saying that's never happened where I've, uh, you know, I've just kind of like ping ponged my way up the stairs and stuff like that to get into bed. But it's a, uh, I, I think as dads specifically, mm-hmm. and this is not necessarily an alcohol thing where we need that time right at the end of the day, mm-hmm. right? When everybody goes to bed and it's quiet and no matter what you had going on during the day, you have this nice quiet moment to yourself. Mm. Uh, and I found when I was drinking, I, that moment could last an hour or two or three hours or however long that uh, it took me to get through the bottle of scotch. Without the alcohol, I find myself, I'm like, oh, all right, I'm just going to go up to bed. Mm. And I yeah. go up to bed. Yeah. And I, I go to sleep earlier. Yeah, that's what I do. <laughs> <laughs> and my wife appreciates it because yeah. I'm coming upstairs and I'm cuddling. You know? And yes. It's like, yeah. oh. Hey, you're here. That's nice, isn't it? Yeah, it's nice. Cuddles is one benefit of quitting drinking. Well, um, (laughs) so my when I told uh, when I told my wife that I was going to be on uh, the podcast, she's like, "Are you going to talk about like that sex is better now?" You know, with uh, drinking. And I said, "Well, I I don't know if I'm allowed to bring it up." I I, I texted you and you You said, "Bring it." You can say anything. But the one of the benefits that that you don't really hear about with dry January is sex is better, Mm -hmm. right? Especially if you if your wife isn't as heavy of a drinker you are, or she's not on the same page when it comes to alcohol, yeah, it's it's a lot better. You're both sober now, and yeah, it doesn't take three hours. You yeah, know? <laughs> you don't get that frustration. Hopefully, it doesn't you know? take three minutes either. No, you know? Well, it, you know what? <laughs> Go to bed, <laughs> or try again in like twenty, thirty minutes or an hour. You know, you're both you're sober. You're not doing anything. You're staring at each other. Yeah. Well, I so. mean, yet another benefit. Yeah. Right? Yeah, you know, there, there's a um, you know, with with yeah. there's surpri- nothing like drunk sloppy sex though. I mean, well, you know, yeah, you, I mean, there's a space right for that know, too. That's, right. I know this is a recovery podcast, but we can <laughs> say that drunk sloppy sex is probably everybody needs it every once in a while in their life. I think if if both of you on the are on the same wavelength with that, because oh, yeah. drunk sloppy sex, if only one of you is drunk and sloppy, is is not really where it's at. You know, uh. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, we're gonna go ahead and agree to disagree because I, I, okay. <laughs> I think if your wife is, is, is to that level, and then it could be a lot of fun. All right, and then, <laughs> okay, um, yeah, interesting. Um, <laughs> it's not that I don't want to talk about this subject. I just I wasn't prepared to talk about this subject. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I'm just thinking because I, you know I I, uh, I heard. 
Have you guys ever talked about like sex on the uh, on the show? Like we're like one of the benefits of with it? our wives. No, no our no. wives listen to the show. We're not <laughs> oh, gonna... You're not allowed to. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I got. They don't. Nobody has sex. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's not true either. But yeah. um, there's this, this whole stuff going on in the recovery movement where um, there's this. Have you ever heard of a guy called Gabor Mate? He's a, a, a he's a psychiatrist who claims that all addiction is rooted in childhood trauma and that our relationship with alcohol today is largely predicated on the experiences we had when we were kids. You think there's any truth to that or I mean you could say that about anything, right? What do you mean? Like just anything that's going on in your life, you could always try to relate it back to uh, to your childhood. You know, what? Why do you have trust issues now? Why do you have? Why do you need to cuddle because your mom didn't do it enough? You know, or like you didn't get enough love, or this or that, or your parents drank and you're gonna drink. Uh, I, I think it's kind of lazy, mm. right? Just to say everything is rooted from your childhood, and there's probably some truth to it, mm-hmm. right? But I don't know. It's it seems kind of like just a like a. I don't know. You're just like, eh, it's, it's your parents' fault. Just, yeah, I don't know if there's so much blaming of the parents involved as, as just sort of untangling the relationship um, and how it sort of went askew. Because I remember when, it, when we started the podcast, I, <clears throat> I, Nat and I were both like, you know, we didn't have any trauma when we were kids. So we're like that <laughs> rare sort of breed that never had anything happen. And then the more sort of unpack it, the more you realize that, well, my mother actually was an alcoholic and she hit yeah. bottles around the house and stuff. And, you know, that was traumatic. <laughs> yeah. Whether I identified it as such, you know, it certainly had an effect on my own drinking and my behavior getting older. So I don't well, know. I it just normalizes some of it for you. Yeah. Right. So yeah. like it, my, it was normal for my father to come home from work every single day have a shot, have a beer. And that's what he did when he came home and he would have dinner and then eventually go to bed. Right. Modeling. So, yeah. yeah. So I, Hey, when I'm home from work, I get to have a shot and I get to have a beer because that's, you know, I have I had a great relationship with my father. So it wasn't like I, I hated him or I thought he was an alcoholic or anything like that. Right. You know, and then it's like, well, yeah, that's where I learned it from. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I just, uh, I, I think that trauma is at the root of a lot of, um, Childhood trauma is at the root of a lot of substance abuse issues. I just don't know if it explains them all. Uh, I think there's plenty of people who have these issues and, you know, really have pretty good childhood and so on, yeah. you know. But, but that nature versus nurture kind of uh, argument, right? Well, they haven't found an alcoholic gene yet. You know? I thought they did. I thought that was a thing. No. Or like if you're predisposed to have an addiction issue. Well, if there's addiction in your family that you, you may be predisposed to have addiction, but is that a nature or a nurture? I mean, that's, yeah. I, th- I don't, I don't think they've isolated an alcohol gene or a gene that makes you more prone to alcoholism. Although there is a correlation. It's not necessarily a causative, uh, All right. you know, well, that's something, yet. right? Yeah. The, uh, what was I going to say? No, it doesn't matter. <laughs> I, I had a thought, but it, it went away. So could you envision like a life without alcohol? What would that look like, do you think? I have no clue. But uh, to be honest with you, I don't know what I want to be when I grow up. So <laughs> uh, it, it's incredibly difficult, if not impossible, for me to think uh, what my life would be like without alcohol. Because so much of my life revolves around, not necessarily revolves around drinking, but it involves drinking. Mm-hmm. If that kind of makes sense. Like I'm not trying to commit to saying that it all revolves around drinking. But I love going to the brewery. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
I love going out to restaurants and going out to eat and sitting there taking over a bar and trying to make everybody laugh. That's, those are my favorite things in my life. Uh, or one of my, some of my favorite things. So I don't know. I don't know what it would be like. I'd probably be taking a lot more seagull pictures. Uh, <laughs> hey, but there's only hey, so many hey. of them you could take, you know? Uh, I don't know. I, I, I don't, I've never really tried to envision what my life would be without some alcohol involved. Mm. Yeah. I, I didn't either when I was drinking, it was seemed impossible to visualize. Well, I mean, imagine your life. What would your life look like if you didn't have a car? Mm. You know, could you? I mean, yeah, but no, I mean, realistically, you, know. you, you live here in, uh, in town, like, cause you just not have a car. That's kind of like the, that, that same. Yeah. It, it's kind of just hard to visualize what your life would look like then. I don't know if I'd so be happy. So removing with. something so essential. Oh, man. Wow. Is that, is that, <laughs> is that, is that what you mean? Well, no. Is, that's that why not, that's a, not, is that why you picked a car? No, I'm just trying to. <laughs> 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 um, so along the lines of like the socialization and stuff, and I don't know, I guess we're getting kind of at the end. We got like an hour and 10 minutes in. Didn't seem like, did it seem that long? No, no, I've been, I've been sober for nine days now. So (laughs) So every minute seems like an eternity. Yeah, no, I'm just, uh, um, there's a group out there called the Phoenix. mm -hmm. You probably haven't heard of them, but they, um, I've heard of it on your podcast actually. Okay. So they arrange like meetups and stuff to do Mm -hmm. things that with other people who are not drinking. Those are the guys you went out, uh, hiking right in the, yeah, they ended up not showing up to that. Um, which is fine. I mean, recovering alcoholics are so <laughs> yeah, <it's, laughs> unreliable. Yeah, well, I mean, there is some of that. I mean, you know, we try and show up when we can. Uh, at least I try and keep our commitments. But I'm not. I'm not macking on the Phoenix. I. I mean, it wasn't a planned thing. Anyway, so so they, you know, they set up meetups for hikes and for going to the gym together and playing pickleball and doing all this other stuff. And it seems like I, when I first heard of that, I thought oh, that's fucking brilliant because that's exactly what's lacking. Because your choices are either, you know, try and squeeze yourself into your old alcohol activities while not drinking Mm -hmm. or, um, you know, meet a bunch of people in AA and hang out with them talking mostly about alcohol, which seems odd to me that you you spend a lot of time talking about the thing you define yourself by the thing that you no longer do. Or uh, you can join a group like this where, you know, the, the commonality that you have with the other members is that you're all not drinking, but you're going out and doing normal, fun shit. You Do you know? still find yourself talking about not drinking to other recovering alcoholics? Yes, an hour and a half a week, usually on Tuesday yeah, mornings well, No, Matt. that's different. That's different. <laughs> that's different. But like on a regular conversation, you know, like you meet somebody else who's not drinking. Are you sitting there talking about not drinking? No, not really. I mean, when I went out to uh, California... And when hiking with some of those folks out in um, Muir Woods, we didn't really talk about it. You know, didn't really, or I mean, it comes up a little bit, but it wasn't. You know, we talked about music, we talked about art, we talked about hiking. You know, normal shit. Hmm. You don't just sit there and be like, "Oh, I haven't had a drink in a hundred <laughs> yeah, well, one thousand seven hundred eighty-four days." You know? I assume you guys will like take out your coins or whatever it is. And I don't have coins. No, you don't. Have- I don't even know how many days. It's like. It's roughly four and a half years, something like that. Well, I mean, I think there's a way to do the math. No, I have it. On, I have it on an app. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't look at the app. Like oh, in the that, beginning, I did. That's what I wanted to bring up. So uh, I downloaded an app. So this is like the neurodivergency of, uh, of me. Okay. So I needed to make 
drinking efficient or I wanted to like gamify it. Okay. So to speak. So I've always wanted to buy like a, a, a BAC, uh, a breathalyzer, breathalyzer, kind of thing. breathalyzer. I can't, I can't think of it. You know who makes a good one? Soberlink. Soberlink. I think I've heard it on yes, your... Yes, they're an advertiser. Oh, okay. <laughs> Soberlink. For all your Soberlink needs. Um, so I wanted to get one, and I wanted to see where I actually felt good, mm-hmm. right? Because I wanted to... Oh, like what blood alcohol content? I, I want to know if I'm if it's 0.06 for me. Wow. That's where I want to be, and I because I wanted to make it efficient, hmm. right? So... Uh, <laughs> This is this is more to do with my autism than it does my alcoholism. Okay, so, very very clear about that. So, um, I felt that I couldn't like CVS sells the breathalyzers. Some so, breathalyzer you buy off the shelf, you can just get you, it. You can just get it. They're sixty bucks. You could buy a breathalyzer. Huh. So I felt like I couldn't go buy one of those. <laughs> right. So if I walked into CVS, got a breathalyzer. And if my wife saw it, she'd be like, what are you doing? Or like, she would sit there and like, stop me. Like, honey, I'm trying, learning how to drink more efficiently. That's yeah. I can't say that. Right. <laughs> so I, I'm like, all right, well, there's gotta be, I mean, it's just, it, you could kind of like calculate this stuff. Right. I, I know my body weight and all this other stuff. So there's plenty of apps that you can get on your phone that you can put in the exact kind of drink that you had. It has the alcohol content. Uh, you could put in, it doesn't do it with a uh, food where like, you know, if fat content can bring down the, uh, the BAC and all that stuff. Hmm. So I started tracking it and every single time I had a beer or any kind of drink, you put it in the app and it'll tell you what your BAC should be at that level or at that time. Jeez. And then it'll, it'll count down to when you become sober. Hmm. So the one aspect of the app that I didn't realize that was on there was that it tracks how long you've been tipsy, you know, according to the app or right. drunk according to the app. Okay. Um, and I think tipsy was anything above a 0.04 to a 0.08 and then 0.08 to whatever number uh you're drunk okay so it would track daily monthly weekly whatever it is how much time you spent sober tipsy and drunk hmm. and you <laughs> the the first time i realized i was doing that and it gave me like my week total I never used the app again. I said, I never want to see this. <laughs> this, is, this is depressing. Yeah. You know, Self-knowledge is a dangerous thing. Well, and I think a lot of people, uh, when they do these 30, uh, 30 days sober and whatnot, they realize how much they drink. Mm-hmm. right? And, and when I talk to people who aren't doing the dry January, and uh, most of the people at work, I think I'm one of the only people there are doing it. So I said, well, when was the last time you went without, an out, without a drink? Right. Well, well, you know, I had to work my two 16 hour shifts, so I didn't have, I didn't drink anything. Well, I drank last night when I came home, I had a drink and then I went to bed. There's like, well, how many days have you gone sober? Like four in general. Mm-hmm. 90% of them are all saying like, uh, uh, maybe a day or two, you know, and I don't, I don't think that we realize Society doesn't have a problem with alcohol. Well, <laughs> we don't. So, like the non-recovering ones, or the people that are complete denial about you know uh, their, their relationship with alcohol, I don't think we realize how much we drink. Because mm. why would you? You're just you're living your normal life. Why why would you think about it? You know, when I go out to dinner, when I have uh, when I have lunch, I'm gonna have a beer. I'm gonna have a, a drink, a glass of wine, whatever it is. Like it's not. I'm not going out to go drink. I'm going out to dinner, and you do that. 39 years later and you're still doing that, you know? So force a habit. You're just continuing on with the, the same That's habits. And I don't think most people realize that it's a problem. They're just living. Well, you can be, I, I mean, I was very high functional myself. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I, 
I, I did my job well and everything, but inside, like I was, you know, kind of not feeling great. Uh, my world had gotten very small. It was, you know, just basically I spent a lot of time thinking about booze. I'll tell you as your friend, I never noticed. Yeah. Well, you know, we put one face to the public and then, you know, there's stuff inside your head. And, and part of the thing that I like about not drinking for four and a half years is I can integrate the inside voice with the outside voice and they start to become much more the same. Well, I found that, so alcohol is numbing, right? So yeah. if you've got feelings you're dealing with, right, you're numbing those feelings, yes. right? You're making them go away yes. for a little while, at least a little while. Right. Because then on the other end of it, that's when they come back. Well, right? that, and that's why these challenges are very hard for people who are using yeah. alcohol to medicate to cover up their... You're sitting there, like, my, yeah. I know my first two beers, I'm going to feel great. My six, I'm going to start crying. Mm-hmm. You know, and it just like... <laughs> well, see, now there's something that you, you might want to take a look at, right? No, no, I no, mean, no, 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 no. We're, we're, we're not going to go, like, deep into it. No, no, no. Uh, well, because deep is kind of where I you feel need like to I go, to, you I know? Have to, <laughs> I have to pay you a copay at the end of this, you know? This is, so... I'm a, I'm a life coach. Not you're a life coach. A, yes. oh, oh, wonderful. Uh, so, if, if you're numbing these feelings, right, this is... I feel really bad today. Let me make myself feel good with a couple drinks. All right. I feel great. I don't have to think about it. And you're kind of like pushing it you're off. You're just borrowing time. the suffering from the yeah, next day. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you should be like but do you want catchphrases on a pillow but somewhere. Do you, you know? do you want to, but do you, how, how long do you, can you do that for? Oh, you could do it for a really long time. You can. You really, really But I mean, time. is that, I don't know. To me, it's always like I'm, I felt like I was living like half a life, <coughs> you know, because being fully present is its own weird high. And, you know, it's, it's very irritating to hear people say they get high on life. You just want to punch them in the face. It's but, like when you say that you get the runner's high, you know? Well, I mean, that's a real thing. Yeah, 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 yeah sure. But sure. Um, the same thing. But I, but, but I found, like, I'm far higher. I don't know how to explain it. I'm far more in touch with who I am as a person now yeah. than I was then. Do you like yourself? Yeah. You like this person more? Yeah, I do. And and that's something that I've also mentioned on the podcast. There's this guy called Paul Churchill, and he runs a podcast called Recovery Elevator. And he said he, he knew that he was finally getting over the hump. Because you can stop drinking, and that's great, right? Mm-hmm. You know, for whatever reason. Lose weight, uh, you know, you know, a million, you know, lower your cancer risk, whatever. But... That's just part of it. The other part is then you start doing work on yourself. You start trying to figure out all the shit that's going on in your head and, and where that's all swirling around now that you don't have that crutch or that, that thing to, to, to make you feel better, right? And so Paul Churchill from Recovery Elevator said, and this always stuck with me, he said, um, I knew that I was starting to, to really get better mentally when the little voice inside my head, instead of calling myself a fucking asshole, I started calling myself a knucklehead because that meant that I had transitioned from thinking that I was a piece of shit to thinking that I was a valuable person and a person worthy of love and all this other stuff. And, and that's the place I think we all want to get to in life. Right. I mean, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that's what, what we all strive. Self-actualization, if you will, like just the, 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 matching up the inner feelings with the outward way you present yourself to the public. 
Well, if, yeah. if, so we were saying like uh, things you don't talk about in dry January, right? Or what somebody's going to experience. You're going to get hit with those feelings. Mm-hmm. You're going to get hit with that. Oh my God, what have I been doing? Yes. Know, the past however long that I've been drinking for. Uh, or that thing that you've been pushing off, that's going to come up. And you either give up at that point and say, well, fuck this. This is way too mm-hmm. like, real for me. And a lot of people do. You know, and, and, and if that's... That's what you chose to do. That's, you know, that's on you. That's fine. Uh, but if you can get through that and decide like, hey, I'm going to deal with these big boy feelings and this is just what I have to get through, then, you know, more power to you. Uh, it, it, that's, that's probably one of the hardest things. And that doesn't happen. That happens kind of like early on. Right, it's not like one of these benefits that you get you know, a month or two months into it. That happens within the first like few days of just like I've been pushing this off for mm-hmm. so long, and all right, why do I feel like this? You know? Right. Yeah. I mean, it, it would benefit a lot of people if, in addition to dry January, they picked up like therapy at the same time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which I did. Yeah. So <laughs> uh, did you? Yeah, yeah. Okay. So I uh, I started seeing a therapist, and uh, I realized that. Uh, so I I could talk about this, but my. Uh, you had a rough year. Yeah. My, my brother passed away in May, uh, yeah. and I've, I've essentially I've been on a bender since. Mm-hmm. Right? Just, I'm not getting drunk at work. I'm not doing anything. Like I'm not hiding bottles or any stuff like that. But right. I've been self-medicating and pushing off this anxiety and pushing off this grief for as long as I possibly can. Uh, so it was really, really important for me to do Dry January this year because I needed to, again, that reset button. Or I needed to give my therapist a chance to be able to work through this with me. Right. You know, so I needed that. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's why I was, I wasn't opposed to doing 60 days, right? When you said it, you know, hey, give 60 days a try. Mm. That's, I was like, yeah, yeah, I right. should. I really should. So not everybody has that reason to do it, you know? And if you just want to do dry January just to see what it feels like without alcohol, that's, that's a perfectly good reason. Sure. You know, just give it a try. Yeah. You never know what can come out on the other end. Like the, you, uh, you, the other thing I will say, sleep sucks at first. Yes, it does. Yeah. And that's the other thing that we talks about because everyone says you're going to get, your sleep is going to improve like crazy and yeah. it will eventually, eventually, you know, it's not going to be a couple of weeks though. No, usually it's a, a, a more than a month. Yeah. It's just the insomnia. Yeah. If you, especially if you've been drinking at night or you're the person mm-hmm. having that quiet uh, drink, you know, when everybody else is in bed, right? you're using alcohol to put yourself to sleep, even though it's not real good sleep, right? You're not necessarily dreaming. You're waking up in the middle of the night, whatever it is. Right. Uh, so when you don't have that alcohol and now you're going to sleep sober, it sucks at first, you know, and, yeah. it's, and it's hard. <laughs> it, <does. laughs> it really, yeah. really sucks. Yeah. Um, well, there's, you know, there's a couple of schools of thought on like mental health and drinking. One is like, you know, if you quit, you'll, you'll find out that your depression and your anxiety will greatly lessen or disappear. Or uh, you quit and your depression, and your anxiety are still there. And the self-medication that you've been doing, um, you've taken that away. And then you have to deal with the depression and the yeah. anxiety. But, you know, you don't know which it is unless you stop for a well, and, and we had this conversation and that's good. You know, Hey, yeah. you got to give it a shot. Yeah. So you can't make any changes unless you make a change, right? Nothing changes. If nothing changes, yep. that's an, that's an, let's a, put that on that's another, an a, <laughs> that's an AA slogan actually. 
All right. Well, I think that's probably a good place to leave it for now. Um, you want right. to leave it on an AA slogan? I mean, <laughs> don't you guys have your own that you want to you want to like uh, promote? Uh, yeah, we'll uh, we'll we'll do it. We'll, <laughs> we'll fly it in. You'll re-edit right? it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, I, I really appreciate you coming on and, and talking me. about this stuff. It was great, uh, and I think I think the listeners are going to benefit from it greatly. And uh, good luck. And it would be Thanks, great son. to talk to you at the end of sixty days and sort of get a check in and see where you're at. Well, if uh, I'll, I'll agree to it. But if I'm back to drinking, we're doing it at the bar. <laughs> you don't have to drink. You know, the only, the only issue I have with that are audio issues. But other than that, I'm not opposed to doing it there. Because I'm free from the shackles of booze. I, it won't tempt me. It'll just be annoying. Well, I, <laughs> I want to see if your listeners can see a difference between uh, me sitting here having a conversation sober. and Oh, I uh, see you what you're it? saying. Because you'll be so. drinking. Maybe. Okay. Right? If I am. If you are. And let's just see if there's a difference. Mm. Maybe. <laughs> I'll, let me chew on that one. All right. Thanks, Danny. All right. Thank you. All right. Just uh, let's continue. Okay, and we're back. And we're back. Yeah. So that yeah. was an hour and a half of me and Danny. Although for Nat and I, we've just been in the magical podcast time machine, and we actually yeah. just like signed off of the other finger. part like uh, like two seconds ago. So anyway, we're back. Um, Great interview. I loved it. <laughs> thanks. Uh, I have a very quick um, recovering the news we could do. Do you want to do Recovery it? Recovery in the news. Yeah. All right. You can't hear that, can you? Recovery in the news. Recovery. All right. I don't know. Maybe we Is have to on the beat? fly that. No, not at all. <laughs> Damn it. All right. Well, I'll cut it out and put an old one in. Yeah. Recovery in the news. Yes. Uh, today's uh, recovering the news comes from the local paper in um, North Olmsted, Ohio. It's actually, um, hold on. Hmm. Uh, I'm all verklempt. It's from Cleveland. Verklempt. It's for Cle- from Cleveland.com. And the title is man's thirst for alcoholic beverages results in his arrest. <laughs> An old story. Yeah. <laughs> but a good story. And only but a goodie. This comes from the North Olmsted Police Blotter. Uh, so police officers at 9.56 p.m. on December 27th responded to Walmart regarding a man who was spotted walking around the store, opening and consuming multiple bottles of alcoholic beverages and then concealing the bottles. Oh, I've done that before. <laughs> well, did you get caught, though? Like this no, guy? No, no, no. Well, this guy got caught for... You'll see why. Uh, Multiple shoppers had complained about the man's unusual behavior, saying he was rambling incoherently and getting uncomfortably close while talking, according to a police report. A store loss prevention officer said the man was spotted selecting bottles of gin from the store shelves, pouring the contents into a cup, drinking the contents, and then discarding the bottles into a reusable shopping bag. The man initially did not cooperate with the police when he was confronted. When an, when an officer asked if he had any weapons, the man responded by saying, I am a weapon. 
good answer, though. The man initially refused to accomp- uh, accompany officers or to cooperate in being handcuffed, prompting additional officers to respond to the scene. Uh, they managed finally to handcuff him and learn that he had concealed two bottles of alcoholic beverages worth a total of $8.25 in his wow. reusable shopping bag. Uh, one, <laughs> at least he's environmentally conscious. Once mm-hmm. the, one of the bottles had been more than half consumed, according to a police report. What kind of gin can you get at Walmart for like $8.25? Not very good gin. gin. <laughs> anyway, he was uh, charged with theft, possession of criminal tools, I guess that was the bag, resisting mm-hmm. arrest and disorderly conduct by intoxication, according to a police reports. So somebody's, somebody in Cleveland is not embracing the dry January ethos, clearly. Yeah. That is the opposite of dry January. No, very wet January. Anyway, uh, I don't know. I just thought that was a little amusing. Uh, maybe I shouldn't be laughing at this man's problems, but I am, a, I am a weapon. I am a weapon. Yeah. Hard times call for drastic measures, I guess. Yeah. Um, recovery in the news. Wow. Yeah. That was most lackluster. <laughs> We're doing our okay. best. Okay. Um, I did want to say one thing. I just remembered January 4th for me is the anniversary of my OD. Oh, and, uh, congratulations. Every year it comes around. Yeah, thank you, <laughs> I think. Um, congratulations for not dying. Yes. But I, I often think back on this time, you know, just looking back, it's about, it is six years, thinking back to how scary that really was. Mm-hmm. You know, when you're going through, when I went through that, I sort of, I think as a defense mechanism, I convinced myself that no big deal, you know, like when I woke up and when I was, got out of the hospital and I I just kept moving, like I was at work the next day, you know, almost pretending like it didn't happen, you Mm -hmm. know, Um, and like my right arm didn't work for about a month. Like it was pretty fucked up, like the whole thing, like, you know, and when I think back on it now from this perspective, I almost, uh, I can't think about it. It's hard for me to picture how close I really came to either being permanently maimed or dead. And then to think about just what the fallout, you know, no matter how bad it was, what I went through, it would have been so much, so much worse, you know, if that had gone the other way, just a couple of things that could have gone one way or the other, and we wouldn't be having this conversation. Now, even though the 4th is the anniversary of the OD, um, you'll note that the 18th is my actual sobriety date Mm. um, because uh, I guess I was so out of it, you know, um, I I remember that I kept drinking. I like for the next few days because I was just freaked out um, big time. I was still on probation at the time and I was, oh man, and uh, but... I think on the 18th, if I think back, why did I pick that day? I had gone to my probation officer to explain what happened. And um, this guy was like an angel. I mean, he gave me so many chances. And so that day, you know, he pretty much, he gave me not a pass, but he gave me a chance to not go to jail, basically. Mm. And for whatever reason, the next day I went into my outpatient uh, and I spoke to to the psychiatrist that, you know, I would get to meet with once a month. And I I don't know what it was, but I said, you know, I got to do something different. Um, You know, know, because they would always ask you dumb questions. You'd be like, well, why did you do that? And I'm like, because I'm a fucking idiot. You know, what do you want me to say? But 
I remember I said, we have to do something drastically different. And that is when he prescribed um, a new medication I had never heard of, Camprol, and then that naltrexone. And then I swore to him that I would take it diligently and then I would, you know, basically start trying to, to let the medicine work and to let the recovery work. And, uh, and that was the 18th. And, you know, here we are. So that's amazing, man. And it's, yeah, I'm so, I try not to think about it. I really do. I'm, I'm so grateful that you grabbed that lifeline and it was oh handed God. to you. And, and that experience was a close one, but it, yeah. it, it precipitated you down the, the path to where you are today. You know? Yeah. It's sometimes, yeah, I, sometimes those lessons tough. are hard, hard learned, you know? It was a hard lesson and thank God and thank God. And then the, we, we get to do this podcast and we get to meet all of these great people. And I'm just, I'm real grateful for all of you. I'm grateful for, for you and, and, the, and the monsters and, you know, wow, what a, what a ride. Yeah. What a ride. And I can't wait to get my shit together and get this show going the way we want to do it. And thanks guys for sticking around while we try and sort this out. It's been so cool to, uh, to get where we are with this show. And, um, We've got a great show coming up with what, uh, see, swallow me. Pardon me. No. Yeah. Suki, uh, Suki Jones. Suki Jones. Yes. So we do have great stuff coming up where we're planning and, um, I'm really excited to read that book and, and get her on the show. Um, yeah. So if you don't have see, swallow me, uh, it's by Suki Jones. Uh, you might look it up and you could read along with us. It's a pretty exciting memoir. Nat will come over and Nat will come over to your house and act out all of yes. the parts and see swallow me. He does a he does a really good <laughs> sex worker. Uh, <laughs> no, I, I can play a sex worker if I have to. <laughs> uh, cool. Yeah, it's not out on audiobook uh, yet, but um, you can get it on a Kindle. I'm just gonna make one for her without asking her. What do you think of that? I had an idea where I think we would read a, a little chapter. creepy, but it's. I, you might, why not? We could do like a chapter every week. I actually thought about this. I'm like, that would be kind of fun. You and I could read it back and forth and uh, Patreon content. And do the audio. Yes. <laughs> yes. So, all right. We didn't shill anything this week, which is probably fine. Um, join, join Patreon if you want to. I mean, we, we just take the money and put it in a bank account and give it away to people. Yeah. Um, join us on Patreon, um, patreon.com slash recovery in the middle ages. Join us on Facebook. We've got a great, uh, discussion group. It's getting very active. People are supporting one another, uh, funny memes, discussion topics. We talk about the show, what's going on in our lives, celebrate soberversaries. Um, and, uh, and also on the Patreon, there's the, the discord group, uh, the inner sanctum where the, uh, the main monsters hang out. That's and, not the uh, monsters from Maine. Yeah. That's all the, the, the principal monsters who are not principals. There's one, there's one from Maine, I think, but not all of them are from Maine. Right. So join us on there. Give us a review. Uh, go to your Apple Podcast app, scroll down, boom, hit the review. We'll read it. We look forward to hearing from you guys. Send us stories. We don't have enough stories. I need more stories. Yeah. So uh, write to Mike R at middleagesrecovery.com. And uh, yeah, we'll read it. It'll be fun. I promise not to do a, a voice. No, no, no. You should promise to do a voice. I mean, I, I, let me, yeah, yeah. I will do a voice. Yes. And you never know what accent I will attempt to replicate <laughs> on any given day. 
All right. Are we done mm-hmm. with this? I need no, to go. No, we're never done. Let's keep okay. talking. And finally, <laughs> the best way to help the show is to share it with a friend. If you get something or anything out of our little show, please share the love and help grow the RMA movement. And as we say, non proficiat perfectum. That means uh, I need to go get ice cream from the freezer. Progress, See not perfection. Time. Yes. No, yes. it's stay fresh cheese bags. Yes, it is. Stay fresh, cheese bags. (laughs) Be good. Goodbye. Happy New Year. Happy New Year.